0: You're listening to episode 111 of The Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives.
1: You know, I've been thinking about it since last week, and I think it's time to update our terms and services in light of the long box Discord. It's too graphic, it's too uh, seedy. It's time to update our terms and services.
0: Okay. What are you recommending?
1: I'm saying no more nudity. Well, we can't have that. It's it's time. But we have to get rid of it get rid of all of it on our all of our platforms.
2: Fuck me are those
3: nipples. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I think this is interesting coming from you, Phil, because I'm pretty sure you're the only one I've ever seen take off their clothes on this show.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well he's sitting there shirtless now. Well listen, you can't you don't have to censor my titties. Stop
0: rubbing them, Phil. Not even bull bullshitting i i've seen more phil's body than most people (laughs) sean and i have shared a bed
3: at conventions and i've still seen more of phil's body
5: (laughs) yeah
0: yes and it's like it's i feel like it's more and more all the time he just gets like
3: bolder and bolder with it, you know. It's like it's like he's a guy who got divorced, and like his underpants radius just keeps getting bigger and bigger. You know, like how far he's willing to go from his house, just totally disheveled.
1: Phil's become a voyeur. Like Wonder Woman, I am molded from clay. Don't know what that means. But. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I also I also would like to point out the term underwear radius.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, every person has an underpants radius. It's how far they're willing to leave from their house in their underwear. You know, and the the less shame that you have, the more your life is falling apart. The farther that gets out.
1: <laughs> the other day uh, at my job, I recently got a haircut and at your my face. job,
5: come on, Phil, you should have boundaries.
1: <laughs> 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 and uh, someone commented on my haircut, and I said, "Well." You know, I can't look homeless all the time, and I got, an, got a laugh out of the entire newsroom, which is troubling.
0: <laughs> when you first started that story, I was like, wait, you have a story about underwear radius? <laughs> yeah, What's me too. That, what That's is, what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going on. talking
1: about my general homelessness look.
0: <laughs> if if this were the long box, I feel like this episode would be called Underwear Radius, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. can we call
2: it Underwear Radius?
1: I Definitely mean, yeah,
2: not. let's get real.
0: It's probably going to be called that anyway. <laughs> <Yes>!
1: <laughs> no, follow so, our terms and conditions. Oh,
0: God. I wish I could snap you out of existence, dude. Uh, speaking of snapping, we finally got the trailer for... Boo. Excuse Boo. me. <laughs> can, I, can I do my job?
2: Can I do my if job? You're, we have been doing this... For 110 episodes, and that's how you're going to transition? 111, kill.
0: I, I, I got to get away from Phil's shit. My you, you need to try again. No, you need to shut up, <laughs> and you need to let me talk so that I can this move is, us along.
2: This is why we can't get on people's Spotify 2018 wrap-up,
4: because it's <laughs> your fault.
0: Here's what happens. At the end of the show, I say, oh, yeah, um, how'd you guys feel about the show? And everybody's happy. And then Kale says, you know, I just feel like it was a little too long. You know, I feel like it was too long. And then I say, well, what do you think we could have done better? And then Kale says, oh, you know, we we, we spent too much time on on certain topics. Like, we could have glossed over. And then I think back to when Kale interrupted me five minutes in when I was trying to move forward. And how long it took for me to be able to move forward. And I go, you know what, Kale? Screw you. (laughs) And your disingenuous bullshit. Exactly. So now that I've properly dealt with you, allow me to move forward.
2: Uh, now this is how you transition. Thank you. Now we
0: can move on. <laughs> We've got a big show for you guys. We're going to be talking about the Avengers trailer. We've got the name for Avengers 4. We'll talk about that. Captain Marvel second trailer is dropped today as well. Or not today, but this week and uh we're reviewing some comics the biggest books of the week and they happen to all be from dc what What? oh yeah yeah you're right yeah um but before we jump into all that we've got some listener mail so uh it's a real quick one pete why don't you read that off
4: Well while we wait. While
0: he's at we'll it. Let's
1: talk more about my nudity. No 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 no. <laughs> okay. So no, this,
4: I <laughs> found it. Guys, I found it! <laughs> I found it! Shut
1: up! <laughs> uh,
3: so this one comes from uh our our dear dear pal Jimmy over on episode 108 and he writes in and says, Hey Sean, you should have kept reading Soul's Daredevil run. The beginning has a rocky start and da- the uh, spoiler alert and the Daredevil has a kid with lecture thing was fake. Someone messed with her memory or something. The real reason you should keep reading is for a new villain called Muse. He was my favorite part of the run. Plus, the run keeps improving as it goes on.
0: Cool. Uh, thanks, Jimmy, for writing in. Uh, always a pleasure to hear from you. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan of Charles Soul. I I dropped it. I dropped it because I just didn't care about what was going on. Uh, and that that sucks because I wanted to care. I I really wanted to. Um, be invested in a daredevil run but it just didn't it just didn't uh grab me the way that i wanted it to and i to be honest with you i don't know that i'll go back your recommendation definitely means a lot so if i find the time i'll jump back and read it but um uh those earlier issues just weren't uh really hitting me uh none of you read it right
1: i've always heard mixed things about souls daredevil
0: yeah it's not universally praised, but I'm pretty sure it's ending well. I think I've heard that. Uh, moving on, we've got some pals pulls. Uh, so from Kale, we've got Defenders, Silver Surfer number one.
2: <clears throat> so this is the all Jason Latour um, issue. I almost said episode. Uh, this is the all Jason Latour issue. Um, it, uh, it's it been teased pretty well with the um, um, Latour's art, the Silver Surfer's, in this cool-looking pattern scarf um, and i don't know that that image just sold me on it i i I like latour's art um i th- I feel like his writing has been solid for me um so I'm definitely willing to um check out this uh number one and with the silver surfer is a title i don't typically
0: go for yeah uh they're bringing back the the defenders, like the original team
3: like the OG defenders. Yeah,
2: alongside this uh alongside this release is also a Doctor Strange one-shot.
0: Yeah. And this week uh we had uh think it was the Hulk and Namor maybe. So they're they're bringing them back. So that's that's cool.
3: Speaking of bringing things back, if you want to learn more about those, you should go check out the Behind the Books episode we did on the Defenders like last year or something like that. You can learn all there
0: about you it. You go. Yeah. Uh and then you also chose Goddess Mode number one. So
2: this is one of the big Vertigo releases. This one has uh, um. Zoe Quinn and Robbie Rodriguez. Um, you'll remember our conversation. Zoe Quinn is uh, one of the women who was at the center of uh, Gamergate. Um, and that, oh. that was, that, uh, that's what brought this uh, book to my attention. Um, so I'm excited to see uh, what she's got to say and where it's got to go. Cool. Cool.
0: Nice, very nice. Uh so for Marco we've got Cemetery Beach number 1.
5: Yeah, this is the Warren Ellis stuff that he's been uh writing over at Image and it's been just action packed and fun. Um so I I'm, I'm there for it. It's a 7 issue series so it's it's pretty short, but um it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Trade or Uh, This is the fourth issue, but it's going to be, it it ends in like the next three months and then they're going to release the trade. It's been cool. Sci-fi-ish.
0: Very cool. Uh, And then you also chose Murder Falcon number three.
5: Yeah. Sean, have you been reading this? No. Oh my God. So basically it's a dude who plays metal and he's able to control this warrior bird beast and defeat kaiju and robots
3: oh my god thompson needs to read this book it's so (laughs)
5: fucking good uh it's um oh my god God. i need to read this book it's daniel warren johnson and the art he's doing the he's writing and doing the art and it's phenomenal so good
3: it sounds like such a fun premise
5: guys read it it's really
0: really fucking all
3: right i'm gonna check it out that 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 sounds really just like silly and fun
0: so um i chose miles morales spider-man number one uh, I have been lapsed on the current Miles Morales stuff. Uh, to be honest, I dropped off somewhere during Bendis' run, um, but Saladin Ahmed is picking it up, oh. and uh, oh. I I am very very excited for that.
3: I feel like I remember talking about that.
0: We did at some point. Yeah. Yeah. We we promoted, it. um, so it's finally happening, and I can't wait to see. What he does with that character. Um, it's just, I, I've been, I love that Bendis created him. I, I genuinely do. I'm happy that Bendis gave us this character because I think he's been important to a lot of people, a lot of kids, and, and to me. Um, but I'm excited to see a minority write him. I, I, I'm excited to see what that looks like. So
3: that'd be cool. And just like Fresh Blood,
0: too, you know, because
3: like sure. he created that character so long ago. And it's, like, I think, like, getting, just getting, like, a new creator at the helm is going to be exciting to see just, like, what it's even like, you know? Like, it's totally unprecedented.
0: Uh, And then Phil, Pete, and myself all chose Fearscape number three. Win me back, Ryan! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, this book drops uh, this Wednesday, and um, we are going to be reviewing it next week. It's good. It's good. We got the preview issue. Um, well, and uh, it's it's good stuff. So you're gonna want to pick that up for sure. Um, congrats, Ryan O'Sullivan. And we're gonna be talking about him a little bit later in the news. But before we get to that, uh, Avengers Four
4: <laughs> finally
0: the trailer has dropped. Uh, we talked last week about the the crazy hype levels surrounding. Just the trailer, people dying to see it, Um, people with calendars crossing out every single day until the trailer came out. There was pure rage this week when it was said online that the trailer wasn't going to be coming out on Wednesday when it was initially, allegedly, supposed to come out. Um, But it dropped Friday morning. And we got a name. We got a name. Avengers Endgame. Okay, uh, which <laughs> I I will point out I did call it. Uh, we did Kale's random question a couple weeks back, and you asked us to. Uh, I think you said Annihilation or something. Well, he asked for three names. Oh, uh oh, 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 and one of the ones I gave, I believe the first one I gave was Endgame. So, um, but a lot of people had that. It's a short trailer, 2 minutes and 25 seconds, and it basically gives us little bits and pieces of where everyone is at post-snap. A lot of people are saying that there's not much to this, but I beg to differ. I think there's a lot to this trailer. We're going to talk about that, but let's get the initial impressions. What would you guys make of this, the first trailer for Avengers Endgame?
5: I'm going to watch this regardless. So this to me doesn't build up any more hype because my hype is already, I'm going to go see this. So this is sort of just additional content and me trying to figure out and pull like, all right, what are they doing? What are they talking about? What's going on? Like, it's just to pull information from. It's it's nothing more than that. And I think because of that, this trailer just doesn't, it doesn't affect me. It's just, I'm like, okay, fine. It's another trailer. I'm already sold. What are you teasing me? Do I care? Not really. <laughs>
2: Wow, I I actually, and this will be unsurprising. I am in a similar position. Um, I for two for a two and a half minute trailer. This gave us too much. They did the same thing that I complained about with the Infinity War trailer. They gave us Ant Man. They gave us Hawkeye. You mean Ronan? God, don't even.
1: Yes, yes, he does. Started. Mean Ronan, Marco.
2: <laughs> yeah, Pete, tell us, tell us more.
1: Yes, Eastmaster, tell us more about Ronan
3: you know uh, yeah i i'm honestly really offended by hawkeye taking up that mantle after spending <laughs> so little time in the east you know um yeah i feel like you really got to spend more time there t- like you know really really in the culture before you adopt a name like that but that's fine <laughs> uh and now i know how i'm supposed to feel thank you pete you're welcome uh <laughs> n- but on the on the subject of the, of the trailer i would say um i'm i'm pretty aligned with what marco's saying in terms of like where my hype levels are at and what i wanted out of this trailer but i actually um am really really satisfied with it because i i don't feel like it gave us too much you know uh but i don't think it like a lot like i agree with you sean like the fact that everyone's like oh it gives us nothing it's like well that's not exactly true either i think it it gives us a really good idea of where where we're starting You know, and, like, that allows us to try and start putting some pieces together. And, like, that's what I want out of a, like, you know, quote-unquote hype trailer. You know, I don't want a sizzle reel of all the coolest moments of the movie getting spoiled for me. You know, I would rather have something that drops a few threads, allows us to have conversation about it, but ultimately is, like, you know, something that if you watch, I don't feel like it gives away Avengers 4, but if you don't watch, you're not really missing anything either. And, like, that's kind of right where you want to be for a movie that has this much momentum already, you don't need any more than that. You don't need
1: to get people excited. You already got us on the hook. You know what? I'm into it. Let's let's fucking go. No Thanos in the trailer except his costume. Um,
5: he also has a large underwear radius.
1: Uh tell us more uh tell us more.
5: <laughs> well, he didn't have his costume and he was and he wasn't home, so it's pretty big.
2: Wasn't it wasn't there a shot of him walking around in his underwear? <laughs>
0: yeah there's definitely a shot of him walking. well I don't know if it's his underwear necessarily but he's definitely it has walking to be. around
2: it's
4: gotta
3: be right it's gotta be that entire planet that he's on now that's his underwear he, radius
2: he uses his clothes as a as a scarecrow I, don't, I guess an Avenger scarecrow yeah yeah <laughs>
1: I do like the idea of that being uh put out on his lawn to scare Avengers away. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some like Scooby Doo light effects going
4: on. <laughs>
2: That's why Hawkeye had to take on a new identity. He was too scared. His bird-like reflexes wouldn't uh wouldn't allow it. <laughs> uh
1: I'm also very uh I'm very ready for Paul Rudd to take on uh Josh Brolin in this movie. Um <laughs> Him standing outside the Avengers compound, uh, I dig it. I'm into it. Let's see some Paul Rudd.
3: I love Paul Rudd, dude. That that scene is just so good. <laughs> it's like, hey, can you guys just let me in?
0: I I think so. I think this trailer is exactly what it needed to be. Uh, you know, you know, we've talked about trailers and how they spoil stuff, and um, you know, if you're watching trailers at all, right? Like, there's no, there's no way that you're gonna go away from it knowing literally nothing but i think this trailer does as good a job as it probably could have of um telling us just enough because we don't actually like it doesn't tell us what the story is um it just kind of gives us a peek into the worlds of these characters now that half the population is gone um and you get a feeling that they're that they have some kind of plan and stuff like that, but uh, it's it's not really concrete based on the trailer, which is great because I I didn't want to know that, and part of the fun of all this is is the speculation, and we're still in that we're still in that phase. Um, I'm happy to see all these characters again. We're we're probably gonna spend a lot of time with the original Avengers, and it feels like it's been a while since they've been. The absolute front and center. You know, really since Avengers Avengers 1. Um, so, uh, full circle. And that's cool. Um, but, I am excited to see the role that Scott Lang plays in this movie. That's probably the best part of this trailer.
1: Yeah, especially in light of how Amanda uh, man and the Wasp ended with the post-credits yes. scene.
0: Yeah, I think the
3: thing that I'm like most excited about is like seeing the band get back together as it were, you know, and like having that original team reunited. And the fact that like it's basically going to be at least seemingly, right, a movie focused on those characters and Scott um and Scott like is yep. I'm all in for that. Like that sounds perfect. Cuz like as much as I loved Infinity War, like it definitely um the scope and the epicness of it did take away from, like, getting to focus on any one of the character dynamics. And all of them are good that they establish, right? So, like, I enjoyed every little bit I got, but I wanted more of each of them. So the idea of at least part of this movie having, like, a smaller cast and a smaller focus is definitely exciting to me uh, after Infinity War. You know, like, I think that's going to be refreshing, especially since some of these characters are seemingly going to go away.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we we've speculated just as much as anybody else about what what this movie's gonna be, and I think this gives us a better idea of of that. Um, and there are a bunch of like cool Easter eggs and stuff. Like, um, uh, Phil I think mentioned the the scarecrow made out of Thanos' armor, which is like that's directly from the pages, right? That's yep. that's right from Infinity War or uh, Infinity Gauntlet.
1: I think it was also um, in an advertisement for Hanes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very nice. Wait, are you saying the armor is his underwear?
1: Nah, like, that's in the commercial and him being in the Hanes underwear is also. That's that's oh, the I modeling see. aspect.
2: Product placement. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, I I gotcha. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they gotta pay Josh Brolin's salary somehow.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, Ronan. Hawkeye becoming Ronan. Um... There's been mixed reactions to that for sure. Some people think it's a little lame and cheesy. Uh, other people think it's really cool. I happen to feel that it's cool. Uh, Kel, I don't think you agree with that. So you want to speak on it?
2: I mean, I laughed out loud when I watched it. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought it was super dumb. Why? I just. Hawkeye, over the course of the Avengers films for me, has been. A punchline? Probably he's been the probably the most disappointing MCU character Um, contrary to anything I may have said in 110 episodes past (laughs) um, (laughs) for this for this to be some kind of dramatic reveal like I just it did nothing for me Um, in (laughs) in uh, I think it was Murphy's tweet that uh, you replied to uh, he, he said that um, it's a, a marriage of Bendis' new Avengers and the Ultimates' uh, run on the character. And that's just not a period of time where I gave a shit about Hawkeye at all. Yeah, feel that. <clears throat> um, I think Ronin, Ronin was a lot cooler when he, when they were Echo, but uh, past that, like, uh, what'd he do to his hair?
0: He gave himself a quick cut, man. Yeah, it's a cut. quick bad cut. Hey, <laughs> so, so I think it's pretty clear uh, to anybody who's in the know that this is what you just said—a a combo of the New Avengers and Ultimate's run. In Ultimate's, his family dies, and he becomes a soulless, you know, killing machine, murderer for for Shield. And I think uh, this is basically that his family probably died in the snap. He snapped, and you know this is what we're getting. Um, I think that's cool. I definitely see people disagreeing with that. Um, it is what it is. I I love that version of Hawkeye. So uh, it's also kind of apropos because Hawkeye was sort of the the heart of the Avengers, and uh, now is that he's. True? I would say so. Uh, when when he speaks the to Scarlet Witch Yeah. When he speaks to Scarlet Witch, um and gives her that pep talk that gets her back in the game from Civil War, um, I felt like that was a pretty a pretty pivotal scene, uh, in that in that vein. He's just a guy that shoots us.
3: Right. And I think like I think that I think the way they've played that in the movies is is supposed to kind of illustrate that why that's important, you know? That it's like he is on a team with a literal god, and he's just a dude, you know. Yeah,
2: I just for me these movies have not done that at all. Uh, like you know when you say the heart of the team, I would, I would say that's more Captain America. In a stretch, you could make a case for Iron Man, but I, I mean, I think SNL jokes are very appropriate for
0: Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I guess if you. If you don't like the interpretation of the character on screen, um, and you feel like he's been underserved, then that's fine. But I think that's what they're putting down. Like, that's what, they're, that's what they're trying to do. That's what they've been trying to do. So if it didn't work, it didn't work for you. But I think that's the point of Hawkeye. He's the everyman. He's the regular guy. He's the guy with the human perspective. All that jazz. Now we have Paul Rudd for that. So.
2: <laughs> well, no yeah, thanks.
0: because Hawkeye's probably on his way out. Um, But even then, so Jeremy Renner blows. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Scott Lang because he's in a he's in a unique position. So at the end of of Ant-Man and the Wasp, spoilers for those of you who have not seen that movie, uh, he gets stuck in the what what, what they call the The quantum quantum realm. realm. Yeah. Yes. After the snap. And uh, I speculated on our review, which you can go listen to that uh, he would come out years later. Uh, He would find a way to time travel through the quantum realm, come out, and help the Avengers go back in time to stop this from happening.
2: It's not how physics works. Oh, really? (laughs) Is it how quantum physics works? No. Mm.
0: Take that, Marco. (laughs) Chew on that for a while. I'm telling Mm. you, no. Well, when you make your way to the quantum realm... Uh, You can't. Why not? Uh, it's Still not an wrong
5: animated. if it happened. Well, it's wrong. Mm, but he
0: did. You're to
1: you exactly. have to accept this what one, Marco. Hell?
0: How dare you? He has his PhD. What are you, an expert on quantum physics? Big dummy. I want to go to school for And
1: now you're on this podcast.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. <You> jerk. Um. <laughs> yeah,
2: jerk. <laughs> yeah. This, this podcast for dummies.
0: Uh, before we before we move on from this topic I, I just want to throw a couple questions out there number one uh Iron man he's we see him stuck in space with nebula um my idea is that is that uh go ahead Kale. was he with nebula in the trailer she's in a she's in one of the shots um oh she's like in I'm, a
2: ship or something
0: yeah they I'm pretty sure they're in the same space I could be wrong i I
2: remember they were together still on the planet but I, I don't recall them being together in the trailer
0: yeah the shot of her if you if you if you go to it um at 124 it gives me the impression that they're on the same ship but i could be wrong um but uh there's two parts to what i'm about to say so one i think that pepper Potts is actually gonna save them Uh, i think she's gonna put on the rescue armor and uh jump into space and save them do you guys do you guys get that vibe too
2: i feel like that's we haven't we seen the uh, the rescue armor has been talked about in the zeitgeist recently hasn't it
0: yeah because we know for a fact that she that it's in the movie pa, um gwyneth paltrow has teased that already Oh, okay
2: then yes that's exactly what i think will happen
3: yeah and i i, I kind of i had that thought too when um when tony was like sending the message to her yeah. or whatever i was like i imagine that like the, she's somehow going to receive the beacon, and then that's going to be the, you know, deus ex machina that pulls him out of that that one.
0: And then also, uh, I think that that scene is actually taking place, like, that, that'll that be the first thing, sort of, that happens, and then we'll flash forward. I, like, I don't think that that's concurrent with everything else. Because I think... Go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I'm interested... Into how the time travel will uh, affect this movie, right. I think that's my least favorite version of events. But given like the Doctor Strange scenario and and all that, I can I can definitely see it.
0: Yeah, um, I feel like that that's got to be the play. But but couldn't, but couldn't Thanos just fuck with time himself? Yup. Yeah, I, he can't. He he well, can't interact at all because the gauntlet's broken.
5: Oh, that's right
3: yeah i I wonder if it's gonna be time travel or if it's gonna be like the the reality gem or something like that like if it's if it's gonna be like a we're going back in time to prevent the series of events that happened or there's gonna be some other event that like quote unquote like resets things you know that like realigns the fabric of the universe in some way and brings a bunch of the dead people back and maybe kills some other people or whatever happens. Um, I I wonder which direction they're gonna take it because I feel like e- both seem equally plausible. But I think like some sort of like reality bending kind of like event feels like it would be cleaner because then you don't have to have a plot about going back in
0: time. You know? Sure. Uh. Well, I think I think at least Scott Lang is going a time travel. Um. I, I I'm I'm still in the camp that the Avengers will too. Although that does seem messy, uh, but I could see a scenario where uh, Iron Man or Captain America use the Dragon Balls to make a wish and bring everybody Mm. back and send everybody back where they belong. And that's how Captain America ends up back where he's supposed to be in World War II era America. And that's where he spends the rest of his life and dies like a regular person. I could, I could like, see that.
2: Like regular people do. They go back in time to 1945, they win <laughs> World War II, and then they die. That's so that's right. how
1: they gather the Dragon Balls. Yes,
0: huh. exactly. They go, they tickle Shenron's balls.
1: That is the Dragon Balls, my dude.
0: <laughs> so, uh, there's been a ton of different reacts to this trailer online, as you can imagine. A couple funny ones, people talking about the name of the movie, Endgame, Uh, The Russos were straight up asked at some point if the name of the title or the name of the movie was spoken in Infinity War, and they said no, which clearly was not true. Doctor Strange says we're in the endgame now, Um, and so there there were a couple funny ones here. Uh, Let's see if I can pull one up. So this one's from at Nicholas J. Levy, who said, As mixed as I am on the Avengers title, it's great to see them adapt one of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Joker stories. (laughs) So Endgame Endgame was the title of one of those stories during their run. Um, We also got, uh, I can't believe the Russo brothers got the title for the next Avengers film from Riverdale.
1: Oh, no.
4: Oh. oh no! <laughs> That's
0: funny. Oh, no. So, um, <laughs> then there's another one that got me. Uh, this is by at Punk Furby. The full title is actually Avengers Endgame featuring Ed Sheeran and Future. <laughs> I don't so, get that one. Uh, Well, you're old. Uh, people hard at work coming up with their spicy takes over on twitter as usual
2: i saw today i saw an article from i think it was cbr cbr news Arama on on i saw i saw the article on twitter and the headline was people are outraged that the the title may not be in the avengers trailer
0: <laughs> what excuse me <laughs> Yeah, I remember there was a bit of that going around before the trailer uh, actually dropped. It's funny that that's 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 an article that came out post-trailer.
2: It was on Twitter, post-trailer. I got you. I be- for the to part the kimono here. Uh, <laughs> yes, the the article was from bef- uh, before the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Hate wow. to ruin your bit, <laughs> bud. But well, you did, so here we are.
4: <laughs> oh my
0: goodness! All right, let's let's talk about the second trailer for Captain Marvel. Uh, this one, I think, uh, probably revealed a little more than the first. Um, I'm I don't need any more of this. Yeah, that's how I
1: felt. Yeah, I watched it and I said. I didn't feel anything.
2: Yeah. I did not watch it. And that's okay. that's the camp I'm in. Yeah. I'm I have no interest in seeing same with Avengers. I, I have no interest in seeing another trailer.
3: I really thought Kale was about to just say same intre- or same with Avengers, I didn't watch it and just like, Are you kidding me? Did you just argue
2: about
4: trailer you didn't see? <laughs> that's
0: that's something Kale would do. We've been um, doing this for a hundred
2: Tamman episodes. You
3: know that's something
0: I would do. Huh? Yeah,
3: I'm surprised he didn't show up for our Spider-Man Homecoming review. <laughs> uh,
0: he 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 was busy that weekend. Uh, so th- th- this trailer had some cool shots for sure. Seeing um, Carol all suited up uh, was awesome. There's a particular montage sequence where she's kind of rising. And we're seeing her age as she's rising, rising the quick shots. And she, when she fully stands up, she's in her full outfit. That was awesome. And then seeing her in space, full, fully CG, CGI'd out, blasting ships and stuff like that. That was really cool too. Other than that, though, I really didn't get much out of this trailer to be honest.
3: I really liked it. Um, I'm surprised that you guys are also lukewarm on it. Like I saw a lot of people. Who were really excited about it um and I, I was definitely one of them uh i think like the first trailer really didn't do anything for me and i i very much had like kind of my package trailer response of just like yeah it's a trailer like i'm gonna see this movie anyway right but like this one got me excited like you said the shots in space like getting to see the way that the suit worked and everything like where she had like kind of like that almost um you know it's like a star lord kind of like vibe with her helmet where it like shot up when she went into space or whatever and like threw her hair up into the mohawk like that was so fucking cool and i i was really really high on this one and uh like i was already interested in the movie because like you know for a lot of reasons that we've discussed you know at length um but this was the the first thing that really got me like excited for it
5: yeah for me it was kind of like it was flashy definitely and uh I don't know. I, I guess I wanted a little more, not even. I, I didn't want any more content. I guess I just I'm, I'm going to see it. Like all why why do we have multiple film I mean trailer jobs? Me, like why do we have it to me. why do we have, have, have multiple trailer jobs? Yeah, yeah drops? come on.
2: Like, come on, baby.
4: No,
0: when every <laughs> other movie has a on. we me, let me have it.
2: Ah, oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. That's it. Every other movie doesn't have one. Most movies have Yeah, most trailers. movies
1: have
2: like three trailers. But here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. And say, stay with me here. Why? It's
1: obvious, my dude. It's, it's trying to build hype for a movie. They release it.
2: Yeah, it's marketing. It's marketing,
1: dude. yeah. They release three trailers over
3: the course of like eight months. So you don't forget that it's coming out. And then you're like, oh, hey, I want to go see that.
0: Yeah, I certainly wouldn't argue in favor of of like wanting this, this amount of trailers. But uh, it, it makes logical sense why they exist. Um, and to your point, Pete, about excitement, I, I, uh, I guess I was already excited. I liked the first trailer. So, yeah. uh, I don't need to see anymore. They got me. And, and there's nothing wrong with this trailer existing in that respect. Cause other people need to be, you know, hooked. Like you weren't hooked and now you are. So exactly. there you go, it worked. Right. Um, but I, I personally didn't need this cause I'm already there with this. Um, well, the sense. other, I'm I'm scrolling
5: through the trashiest subreddit. Of course you um, are. And our Marvel
0: and. Um,
3: <laughs>
1: oh okay. <laughs> I was like, are you about to like send us lose or something? What are we? No, no,
0: no. This is the and, second
1: week he's made this dumb. I joke. was about
0: to say
5: like he. This is his gimmick. <laughs> and, I'm sorry, I've
3: been I've been sick, guys.
5: And I just came across a uh, theory where what if Captain Marvel saves, um, uh,
0: Tony and what should we call it? Oh duh. Wait, no, no.
3: It's in the nineties.
0: No, he he means she's <laughs> in. She's in the nineties. No, she's she's gonna be in uh in in uh, Endgame. But oh, to, to that wait. point,
1: what if they go back in time to get Captain Marvel? She's not trapped in the nineties. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> are we all though? <laughs> No, I uh, wish I was. Shut up. Uh yeah, she's alive and well. We know this. She uh they Sam Jackson calls her at the end of the Avengers movie.
0: Yeah, I feel like she'd more likely go to Earth. The problem with the time travel theory though, to your point is that uh if years pass between the snap and where wherever this movie begins, why did it take her that long to come and, and set it off? You know, why she so late to the party
1: because it takes fucking forever to travel through space. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, then then if that's the case, then Rescue or uh Pepper Potts cannot rescue T- Tony Stark because then she would be moving too fast. That's
1: why Tony Yeah, listen, you know. Doug. Nobody's arguing. <laughs> That's why Tony Stark's gonna die a cold, lonely death in, in space, via entropy. One can only just like he deserves. Can you yeah. imagine
3: that's like the first scene of the movie, like Tony Stark's uh, to like, oh, uh, air, like, he's,
1: <laughs> like, he's like, air's gonna
3: run out in a day, and then it just does, and he just <laughs> dies. <laughs> and you're just like,
1: shit,
4: like, <laughs> that's this has cold. escalated quickly.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Loki died in the beginning of the last movie, so. Well, yeah, exactly. We got it this is what
2: happens when you're a billionaire philanthropist playboy. <laughs> yeah. You make a suit of iron and then you die.
1: Die in <laughs> space. No, 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 Kel. This is what happens when you're a billionaire philanthropist. You're lost into space to freeze and die without oxygen.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about both those subjects uh, a lot more as we go forward. Also, there's a rumor that uh, we recorded this show on Saturday mornings, that today the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer is going to drop. So if that happens to drop while we're recording, we'll talk about that live. We'll we'll react live to that.
1: I also I heard that there might be two trailers. I was going to yeah. say, yeah.
0: So I, I heard th- that as well.
1: Now, we'll have to see. That doesn't make sense to me. Two in one day,
0: I don't know. If they do do it, there's definitely going to be a reason. So um, hopefully, it's a cool reason, and not a dumb one.
5: So Sony Pictures just re- released something 13 hours ago. It's a into the Spider Verse clip, but nothing about Spider Man.
0: Okay, <laughs> thanks
3: for the update, Marco. Uh, <laughs>
5: just keeping guys posted.
3: Put reporter Marcos on the case.
4: <laughs>
0: hey man. So I'm trying to react to w- this live. While we while we wait for that, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, another big announcement Uh, according to deadline marvel studios is developing a shang chi film uh yeah we're gonna get into it um so shang chi has gotten more and more popular uh over the years he's got a run well he doesn't have a run right now but he was featured in uh gail simone's domino run And uh, a lot of people are very high on the character after that. And he's had some pretty good appearances here and there over the years. Um, And uh, obviously, it would be in Marvel's best interest. And I think a lot of people would love to see an Asian character take center stage on the big screen. Um, You know, it's time for them to get their character as well. Um, Marvel has reportedly hired Chinese-American writer Dave Callaham. To write the film, uh, and uh, according to Deadline, Marvel sees this being a Black Panther-like cultural moment. Uh, now go ahead, Marco. Sorry, I'm more interested
5: in this from like a business perspective of just and en- like full force entering the the Chinese market. Um, so I-, I listened to the Daily, and one of the episodes recently was covering. Uh, China's growth over the past 40 years, and they're projecting 2025, the Chinese market will be double the size for film audiences than it is here in the US. Um, So like from a just from like a business standpoint, I think appealing to something that is a cultural moment, and appealing it to the Chinese audience, I think is where this play comes from more so than anything else.
0: Yeah, so before we all react, um, China has already reacted to this, and they're very upset. It's not good. Rip. Oh boy. Uh, so this is an article from a website called SCMP, which is a some sort of uh, Asian like website. Um, and this is just the the first the first like two sentences. An angry Chinese public is accusing Marvel Studios of insulting China after learning that its first Asian superhero on the big screen will be the son of Fu Manchu, the offensive fictional character who has become a shorthand for racial stereotyping. Now, let me let me tackle that. Most people don't know this, but when uh, Shang-Chi was first created, he was the son of Fu Manchu. That's the character's original origin. Um... They couldn't get the rights to, oh gosh, some other character. Uh, I, f- I forget. They wanted the rights to someone else. They couldn't get it, and so they went with that instead. Um, and that's obviously unsavory. Now, since then, Marvel has, you know, retconned and moved away from that, so that's not true anymore. But that's that's his, you know, his origins. Sean. Um yeah.
1: I don't know how to feel. I need to talk to an expert on this subject. Um (laughs) Pete, can you tell us more in your experience?
3: You know, um I'm gonna let Sean keep doing this one. I think he's doing a great job. You know, him and I have already had a private conference on this, so I've really I've helped him develop the you know, the the script
4: (laughs) here. He's fine.
1: Don't be so modest. Now, Sean's (laughs) reading from an article and I'm very, very sure that he's capable of interpreting an article, but he Sean doesn't have the experience and wisdom on this subject that you do. I, I hate the that you use the word wisdom.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're the Eastmaster. <laughs> Hate this bit so much.
3: I nobody hates it more than (laughs) me, Kale. I'm just trying to lean into the skin and hope it goes away. (laughs) No. All right.
0: right. Let's 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 address this uh, subject with a little bit of 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 tact. Um. (laughs) Yeah, Phil. Now are we kicking Phil (laughs) out? Now, um, uh, this this what I'm about to say is according to the Bleeding Cool article on the matter. Uh, they they say that. This movie is supposed to include a villain who is the father of Shang Chi. That is a like global, like a globalist, you know, evil guy, right? Um, and that is like a kind of like taking the road around the fact that his dad's originally Fu Manchu, because in the comics, Shang Chi fights his father. That's his origin. So to do that in the movie, even though they're not going to call his dad Fu Manchu, even though they're not going to reference that in any way, it's still the same thing. So a lot of people are very upset. Now, I'm going to stop talking. What do you guys think about this?
1: Pete? <laughs>
3: um, I, I think this is like a really, it, it seems like a, a bit of a misstep because I think that what Marco's saying is probably true that, like, at, at least on some level, uh, that the motivation here is to, like, make a character that appeals to what is, like, increasingly becoming the biggest movie market in the world, which is China, right? But I feel like if that's your goal, this is probably not the character to do it because, like, he has this history, you know? um, That is something that, like, to Sean's point, right? Like, we... A lot lot of people don't know that in America, you know? Like, don't know that that, that that's the character's origin or don't know, like, the weighted history of Fu Manchu or whatever. But that's, like... Obviously, it's it's still a big deal in China. It's still recognized as that because it immediately was making headlines that it was something that is, like, you know, straight-up offensive to the general population. Um, And that's you know if your whole goal is to is to better penetrate that market it seems like you kind of shot yourself in the foot there you know and it's not like he's the only um option they had for for an asian character but like i guess i can't think of too many other major marvel characters that are actually chinese you know that aren't like chinese american so i don't know like maybe that's where the motivation came from but i i still feel like it's like, it seems like a move that was, like, made in in good faith, but was kind of, like, ignorant to how it would be received,
1: you know? So the dad is a globalist?
3: Like a puppet master kind of, like, world criminal kind of guy, right? Like...
1: Yeah. That's that kind of that the mean? impression I was getting. Okay, because globalist is used as, a like, a word by the incel type guys to mean like some kind of <laughs> like some kind of global conspiracy to unite the world. Well, I mean like in the in the bleeding cool
3: article like it's quoting how the characters described in like a piece of promotional material or something and like it says like globalists in quotes. It's like um hold on.
0: Says so a globalist mastermind.
3: Okay, yeah.
2: So
4: <laughs> take we'll that as that you means. will i guess yeah, i
1: don't know i'll right. well, we'll see how that uh how that what that means um, oh yeah
2: which still reads as pretty yellow peril era villain
1: yeah like
3: i just feel i just feel like maybe like if they wanted to get away from that aspect of the character's history and like try to salvage what's good and cool about him like that's that's not something that I'm against, you know. Like I, I think maybe there's a way to do that, but like I don't think that like <laughs> giving a, a a really similar stand-in for the character that everybody is like offended by is not like the way to do it, you
2: know? Hopefully they just make him a white guy in a suit with a beard or something.
3: Liam Neeson plays
0: him. <laughs> just like he played Ray Ghoul.
3: Exactly.
4: <laughs>
0: So I I have you know I I have uh <laughs> my opinion is is that there's no way that Marvel was ever going to be able to make a Shang-Chi movie and not have severe backlash. I've said it before, I still feel that way. I don't think that they can get away with this. It's not the same as Black Panther at all. And yeah, I like I like-
1: they did that WWE thing where they get ahead of themselves and, like, talk about how groundbreaking they are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Hollywood Reporter, it says, it says the Hollywood Reporter quoted Marvel Studios, expects the Shang-Chi, the Shang-Chi movie to break out in a similar way to Black Panther. Uh, that's, that's not, I don't want to say it's not going to happen because I could be eating crow in two years, but I, I'm very doubtful. I'm 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 very very doubtful because the the stereotype of an Asian dude who does karate is you know you you can't do that anymore and that's Shang Chi's origin and there's nothing I don't have a problem with that, that that that's what he is that but he's he's also a lot more than that but people aren't gonna be able to see past it it is what it is people um, will take
1: less uh, less issue if it's an Irishman that knows karate <laughs> playing him. Nah, that's I have not to, true. I have to <laughs> save my daughter I have to save my daughter. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know how you can get around that, and I don't I don't think that Shang-Chi is going to be welcomed with open arms.
3: Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens, like if they flinch or not, you know? Like, cause th- now like they can either respond to this and be like, Cool, we hear you loud and clear, our bad, or like they can double down and be like, no, like, we're going to do a really good job and prove to you that this is, this is cool. And it's like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what to, what, what the move is going to be. And like, I don't, I, I have a a feeling that you're probably right, Sean, that like it, it, the uphill battle for making this character like work in a way that's like, you know, acceptable I do I I do think it's really funny though like them uh them comparing it to black panther they're like oh we expect like a similar thing to black panther it's like man you couldn't even have predicted that black panther was going to be a similar thing to black panther when you were putting it out you know that it was going to be like the fucking phenomenon that it was so to like be like oh yeah we think that this movie will be as successful as like our tied most successful movie (laughs) is like a bold bold fucking claim dude
0: uh, Kale, you want to speak on this?
2: Uh, I did not know about the the Fu Manchu business, um, Ooh. in the origin of uh, Shang Chi's um character. Um, that's very interesting, and I I <laughs> I think that's a very I don't know. It's hard to say a very rare misstep on. I guess a, a rare misstep on the MCU's part. I think he's is, sure. is more apt to say than Marvel's. Uh, uh, a rare um, um, oversight, I guess. Um, and I, I genuinely, I don't know how you remedy that.
0: Yeah. I uh, Look, you look at the reaction to the Netflix shows, which we're, we're going to talk about in a moment, um, and how upset people were with the hand, um how the hell like a fraction of the people who would see Shang-Chi have seen that. And the reaction was boiling hot. And the hand is is a group that has existed in comics forever. It's not like they were created to be racist strictly for Netflix. They were created to be racist <laughs> forty <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Uh so Shang-Chi is going to have triple, quadruple the problem. And Netflix and Marvel barreled through and gave us the hand anyway, which is great, because I love the hand. Um, In order to do the same thing with Shang-Chi, they're going to have to be prepared for a lot of negative backlash. I personally hope that they can weather the storm and make a great movie, because I genuinely like Shang-Chi. And I want to see that character on screen, and I really hope... That people can look past what is unsavory about this character and see the good. Because the unsavory parts cannot be changed now. You can't go back in time and, and make it so that his, he's not tied to Fu Manchu. That can't be done. That's his origin. They don't have to address that in the film when they're not going to. But you, you can't divorce the character from what they did with him in the 60s. It is what it is. Yeah, like um, that's, a,
3: that's history. Like That happened. Yeah. And that's always going to be a shadow over that character.
0: Right. So what I would like to see is, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I would like to see us look past that, give Marvel an opportunity to make a movie that's going to be cool and fun and respectful, and let's get this character on screen. The character deserves a shot. I think Asian, Asian people all around the world deserve to have a hero who's representing them in these films, and it's better for everybody. That's my stance. Question: Do you guys think that? Because because
3: I don't I don't remember what you said the name of the gentleman was, but the guy who's writing it is a Chinese American. Yeah. Do you think that them putting the film in the hands of Chinese filmmakers, like both American and and perhaps some actual Chinese, um, you know, citizens, uh, do you think that will help the narrative around it at all? That like yeah, like this character has this unsavory angle to it, but like like this is like a a new version of this character and it's like we're gonna get away from that stuff as much as possible or like treat it in a way that's like like you know patently not the way it was handled in the 60s where you said right where it is this just like villainization or like you know like treating like um like Asian characters with like the you said like the hand with like oh it's like this ancient mystic Chinese crime organization you know like I don't know like I wonder if having that like that being the crew surrounding it is gonna change the narrative at all.
2: Nope. I yeah I don't know that it would it will change the narrative, but my hope is that it will make whatever they do more palatable and uh you know similar to what they did with um black panther you know they'll they'll place it in an angle where they can use it and make it work you know
0: Uh, so i I, I'm, i'm super ready to move on whatever you guys are but uh just real quick Black Panther takes place in Wakanda. Wakanda is a fictional, uh, you know, place. So there's a lot of things that you can do with that that you can't do with uh, Shang Chi just running around America, like or 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 wherever. It doesn't provide the same opportunity for a watershed moment or whatever that Black Panther did. It's not it's not one to one.
2: I but I do I do think. With the right representation and the right, you know, attitudes on on it, they can, you know, they can show it from a different angle. You know, they can sort of shed a light onto how Shang Chi will deal with so and so. You know, if I, I can't, I. Legit, I cannot see them using Fu Manchu, but no, if no. they if they do, God forbid, they you know, may you know maybe he pulls an old you know film poster out of a, a box for whatever reason, and he's like, oh that's racist and dumb, and then that's it, right? Like, I don't know. I I think I I think having what yeah what I've said i I think having attitudes and and viewpoints coming you know from that angle I think I think is a stronger way to look at it than a film crew of white people
5: I think it I don't think it'll change the narrative but I think it might affect sentiment but even then that didn't go so far so like like I was I was sort of thinking uh, like like bruce lee the, the the popularity of of that was one he's fucking cool, but two it's it's his full production, it's all made by chinese people for chinese people um Hong Kongese people for Hong Kongese people like it's made by the, that by that reflection and so I don't know it it it's tough to say, but i yeah it's not gonna change. The story and how people are reacting to it, but it might sort of impact the overall feeling around it, but it it won't change anything.
0: All right, let's give Marco the last word there, and we'll move on. This is a story that we're going to talk about a lot, I'm sure, as it develops. So we will have more to say in the future. Uh, Now let's talk about the Netflix Marvel fiasco. Uh, We've learned a lot uh, over the last week or so regarding this situation and we've talked about this a lot on the air um but there's a lot more to dig through so first of all we now know that uh netflix canceled these marvel shows probably because they wanted to shorten the seasons and marvel didn't uh now that's That's really interesting because one of the major complaints about these shows has been that they're bloated. Uh, It's been that they feel like they could shave off several episodes and still be fine, be more than fine. Um, And so now uh, uh, a guy named Matthew Ball over on Twitter has been talking about some of uh, his inside information regarding this issue. So he says... Netflix reportedly wanted to shorten the seasons, thereby reducing total spend and improving retention and quality. Netflix's shows, especially Marvel ones, are famously bloated. Reportedly from 13 episodes to 6 to 8.
3: That would have been perfect.
0: (laughs) Sure, but not for Disney. Uh, So, Ball continues which means Disney would have to effectively reduce their revenue from two-thirds while keeping valuable characters unavailable for all other live-action applications while focusing on their own D2C. And while Netflix could force a renewal, they couldn't do so at new terms. So Netflix chose to cut the shows um, because they don't want to spend the money to produce 13 episode seasons now there's more at play here than just them wanting to improve the quality and retention don't believe the hype on that one we're in a time period now where everybody has their own streaming service and it's all about your brand why would netflix want to develop and spend money to essentially promote marvel characters and put the impression in your brain that if you want more Marvel characters, characters you're even more familiar with, you should spend money on Disney+. Plus. What's the point in Netflix doing that? They don't see it that way. And in Disney's case, why should Disney let Netflix do whatever they feel like doing with their characters when they could just take them back? doesn't make any sense. It's not a win win anymore the way it was in two thousand and twelve where Disney's streaming service wasn't a blip on the radar.
3: Yeah, and I think I think uh to your point, right, like I bet Netflix would have renewed the shows if they were able to negotiate a deal that was more profitable for them. But to your point, like if Disney didn't even want to play ball with them, well then it's like, okay, well yeah, like why even Like, at this point, you're making them to your own detriment, you know? Because, like, they're losing steam. Like, they might still be among their most popular shows, but, like, I don't think that, like, they have the retention that they did when they were fresh, when they were popping off, you know? Um, So, like, yeah, like, I feel like it's not only not a win-win anymore, it feels like the longer they're invested in that universe, the longer it's a lose for Netflix.
1: Listen, Netflix would rather spend $100 million on retaining Friends. They
0: would.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they would, right? Like, people are joking about that, but yeah, people watch Friends a fucking lot, and there's ten seasons of it.
0: (laughs) Fuck that shit. Well, according to Parrot analytics, Daredevil was actually, uh, at at the end of last week, Daredevil was actually the fourth most in-demand program on Netflix, uh, behind Narcos, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Stranger Things, so that's really good. It just isn't good enough, and I don't know if there would, if there is, a good enough to keep these shows for Netflix because it's it's a power struggle now. Disney Plus is a major, major problem. A big part of why people want Netflix is to watch Marvel stuff and Disney stuff, and now they can't. So why keep why why keep producing a reminder of your competition? I think yeah. I
3: think in my mind if if they had been able to negotiate the deal where they are spending half as much money and still making their top tier content though, like if Daredevil was still oh this is consistently one of our top four most successful shows and we can now make it for half the cost and people will like it more. I I wonder if they would have thought about that proposition for well maybe it's worth doing for one more season. You know, like but I, I think, ultimately, you're right.
4: Yeah, ah. I, well,
0: go ahead, Phil.
1: Nah, they fucking lost me. These guys bickering over Marvel shows. I just wanted a season four of Daredevil. And now I'm not going to get it. And now I'm not getting that uh, Disney streaming service. Definitely not paying for Netflix. I'm done. Dunzo.
0: Okay, you weren't paying for any of it. Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't
3: know, man. I... I hope that we'll see Daredevil continue on in some form, but
4: we'll see.
0: Well, it won't be on Disney+, Plus because uh, Rolling Stone TV critic Alan Sepinwall uh, spoke on Twitter and said as much. Uh, He says, The execs have already said they don't want these shows on the Disney service, and even if they did, the nature of the contracts would make it virtually impossible. They are done. I should clarify, the Marvel shows for Disney Plus are being produced by Marvel movie execs who do not like or get along with the Marvel TV execs who made Daredevil. Technically, they could make a Luke Cage show a few few years down the line. They just don't want to. That, to me, is probably the saddest thing about (laughs) this whole deal. (laughs) This
2: sucks. This sucks. Yeah, it's just Netflix and Marvel slash Disney just bitching at each other oh but we
1: want the money i just want the entertainment hey you're paying
2: for it fuck you who cares i'm not paying for it somebody's paying for it but that's true they're getting the views that means they're getting the money who cares give me the money
3: yeah it's just yeah. it's it's a, it's really disappointing man you know like i i get it like business is business and all that stuff but like these characters have resonance and you know It's a real disappointment that, like, internal squabbles are actually the thing that's going to keep them from moving forward, right? Because, like, yeah, like, Netflix canceled the show or whatever, but Sean just read the quote. If Marvel wanted to keep making shows about these characters, they could, you know? And, like, it might take some shuffling, you know, um, deck chairs and all that kind of stuff, but, like, it could be done. They're deciding they don't want to because it's more hassle than it's worth, I guess.
2: Well, and I wonder, I wonder, and I, I can't imagine this is a huge part of it, but I, I do wonder if there is some validity to it. I wonder if there are gonna be rated R content.
3: Yeah, they've already on, said there will this. be.
2: Yeah, so I can't, I can't imagine where Daredevil is gonna fit in that.
0: Like, right? That is exactly right. That's exactly right. There is no world in which these shows work on Disney Plus. The way they were. It just doesn't happen.
5: CW, best... come on, CW, pick them up.
0: CW, are you on crack? <laughs> uh,
3: HBO, man. HBO, come in here and save Daredevil. No,
0: nope, CW, Marco was right. <clears throat> Sadly, we learned on Twitter uh, from Sam Ernst, who is actually a member of the writer's room out in Daredevil. He's a writer. Um he said, man, so weird to be in the Daredevil writer's room today, getting the news that we are canceled on the walls were an entire season of season four laid out. Oh. And it was so effing cool. So many moments we wanted s- the fans to see. Sigh, this business. So,
1: Pixar didn't happen. Show your face, you turd. Show your face, you turd. Whoa,
5: don't say that. <laughs> that was offensive to you. Yes, I'm sorry. I apologize. Sean, continue.
0: Uh, that's about all I got. We've had reactions from the, the cast and crew, and it's a bummer. Uh, Everyone's a- sad. Nope, nope, moving on. All right, cool. No! <laughs> uh, This is a real quick one. Don't really want to talk about it too much. Um, Congratulations to the cast and crew behind Black Panther for being nominated uh, for Best Drama at the Golden Globes. Uh, Wild. This is, this is a pretty cool moment. Um... And and it's not nominated for you know best uh best effects or anything like that. It's nominated for something legitimate, best drama. That's pretty cool. Um, so hopefully they take it.
2: Uh, Into the Spider Verse was nominated for best animation,
0: wasn't it? Yes, okay. yes, it was.
2: That that one you can probably take to the
3: bank too. Yeah, like there's, there's that one's probably going to win if the maybe Incredibles two the...
1: might win. Maybe,
3: but, dude, it's like Incredibles 2, like, had a semi-lukewarm, like, reaction. Like, a lot of people liked it, but it wasn't as big as the first one. And, like, if the advanced reviews for Into the Spider-Verse are representative of, like, what most people are going to think about it, I think this is going to be one of the biggest movies of the year. Like, it's it's sitting at, like, a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that, you know? It uh, dropped... (laughs) <laughs> I, I might have, it was, at a, it was and, literally at 100 And, so. and for
1: what it's worth, Incredibles 2 is a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes Which
3: is a great, like, it's not taking anything away from it I'm just saying, Like I feel like if this movie pops off in the way it seems like it's going to It might be a lock
1: Maybe, I, I don't think it's a lock I, I, I think it's between those two movies Either
0: way, a superhero is taking it home that's, that's true So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Shonen Jump uh, not a not a typical talking point on this show, um, manga? but they announced some. Yeah,
1: oh,
5: manga. no. Oh no. <laughs> they announced. Put that away. Oh my. Oops. Goodness. Sorry. Did it hit the table? Oops. Oh,
4: gross. <laughs> gross. <The>
0: hell. <laughs> um, we we got a a tweet. The tweet of a video, um, of Hisashi Sasaki talking about the future of Shonen Jump and a lot of really cool things were announced Um, so ShonenJump.com and the Shonen Jump app will be offering um, English and Japanese translations of the chapters from their manga at the same time so they'll be releasing together Um, you can also subscribe for unlimited reading for $2 a month which is crazy fucking crazy you're also going to have the entire backlog available if you do subscribe. And they will be releasing free chapters um, of some of their most popular uh, manga. And that that all starts in, in December. Um, huge, huge news. This is like... This is a, a bold
3: and, I think, incredibly innovative move from them. And I think if it plays off, they're going to be... Like, people are gonna be kicking themselves in the fucking ass for not doing something like this sooner. Yeah. Because, like, this sounds like what I wanted the Marvel Unlimited app to be when they made it, like, fucking six years ago. And it's still not that. You know? And and, And the fact. Go ahead, Marco.
5: Sorry, I was just gonna ask, like, what? And the price point on that versus this is. Yeah. The Marvel Unlimited is $10.
3: This is $2, And... and it's the entire backlog of this, all of this
0: content.
2: And the Marvel Unlimited app is garbage, and you have to wait six months for anything current. For, for anything current,
0: there's so many reasons why Marvel cannot do this that but are even, very reasonable.
3: Even if that's true, though, like them figuring this out, and if they get it right, is like I think it's a it's it's a roadmap for something like this for other other competitors. Because like they put out so like that like fucking don't don't like mangas have releases every week yes so like that's putting out you know essentially like full-length comics every week in two languages
5: but it's also like i i think manga is also a different format in in releases yeah. and packaging in general which it's way i less
3: think pages right like every it,
5: it's less pages and it's more frequency of and because it's more frequency they can get collections a lot quicker but I don't know. I, I, to to Sean's point, I, I don't know if the way that the American s- system of comics sort of can cater to this uh, in terms Definitely. of its like its speed, but I think in terms of what it, the the rest of shonen jump can offer, I think that that does like that makes sense. Um, it's and almost like, all can,
3: mangas in black and white too, right?
5: Yeah, which is also makes it cheaper because you don't need
3: sure. like like Quaker color to, production. We're going to everything. produce easier to digitize yeah. like. That's all true.
0: I've also heard that a lot of mangas produced by like one person, like, 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 if if it's a if it's a if it's a book, it'll be one guy is the creative team.
5: It it, it depends. Sometimes it's one team. A lot of the times it's um, like teams, like full on. Like this person has pages one through two, two, th- and they all sit similar style, so mm. it all meshes together. So they'll have like manga studios.
0: Interesting.
3: But to Sean's point, like, I know, like, for years and years and years, Toriyama was doing Dragon Ball every week alone. You know, except for, yeah.
0: like, his editor. So, yeah, this is awesome news for anyone who is into this. Um, I think that one of the things that they mentioned is that this is a move to combat piracy. And uh in the video... Hisashi specifically says that when he noticed that when they would release a free chapter, um, views would go way, way, way up, that they would skyrocket. Um, so this is a way of, of catering to what is obviously a very hungry market for this content. And I think that this is awesome for manga. That's going to do a lot um, for manga. It's a little sad because Shonen Jump, the physical, is ending. Um, at least that's what I got out of this.
3: I think I think they already transitioned over to digital a while ago. I feel like I okay. remember him saying that in the thing. Like we made the jump from print to digital, and now we're going from digital to like all access or whatever. Like I remember him making oh, that kind of
0: wait, comparison. no, 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 because because Sholin Jump still produces. Well,
5: they still the, produce like yeah. a bunch of stuff. They have they have One Piece. They have like this. So do the an- the the anime. Yeah, and everything. So I don't
3: know. I don't I don't think that they're saying that they're gonna stop doing it then maybe he was just saying that the way that their business is being done is evolving because you can get it in more ways
0: like well uh my my uh connection to Shonen Jump is actually through Yu-Gi-Oh when I was younger I played that and in Shonen Jump they used to give away a free card on occasion like a yep. special card um and that that is ending that's that's no longer happening okay. as a as a direct result of this so uh, I took that to mean that the actual physical book is coming to an end, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's that the magazine is ending,
3: because I know that there's like, they do like the, at least I think, right, because I'm not really a manga guy either. I was under the impression that they had Shonen Jump, like the book that has multiple, like, you know, like it's all of the things that they publish at once. But then you would also buy the volumes or the collections in physical prints if you wanted just I want all of One Piece or all of Dragon Ball or whatever rather than I'm gonna get one installment of all of these things. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um. I just I did just check and um. Weekly Shonen Jump issues will no longer be released.
3: Uh, Okay. Yeah. So they'll probably still do volumes, but
0: like the monthly volumes probably.
5: Okay and this is coming out on the 17th
3: yeah right around the corner Hell yeah. holy shit
2: I'm gonna get it very cool
3: yeah I might check it out maybe this will be the way that I, I've been wanting to read the My Hero Academia yeah I think this is just a super cool move very innovative and I'm really I, excited listen, to see hey, how it plays hey, out shut
2: up Pete Phil don't you shake your head $2 a month? This is a goddamn gift. I'm, <laughs> You're the idiot here. <laughs> I'm, shake, I'm shaking my head at
1: Marco because he feels like he's got you all roped in now. He what? does? No.
2: Hey, man, no? I'm letting you guys explore. He wants to start the manga, pals. I'm on board. Anime amigos. See? This is what I feared.
0: Okay, uh, so let's talk about something not so awesome. Uh, Lion Forge is a comics publisher that is on the rise. Uh, their name has definitely, um, gotten a lot more cachet recently because they've got, um, Gail Simone working with them and they're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. However, we do have to talk about the fact that they were recently hit by some layoffs. Um, so they laid off a dozen employees, which doesn't sound like a lot, um, but it is when you consider that they only employ 60 people. Oh wow. so Yeah, that's uh that's a chunk. They plan to publish uh 130 titles this year, which is uh which is a lot. Um but they are they are growing and and according to uh according to them this is a a, a restructuring that they that they feel they need to do. Um Jeremy Atkins is their publicist. And he said, this is the only round of of restructuring planned at the moment. Um, so, you know, maybe uh, making room for, for their future plans, I guess.
3: I'd like to start by saying, like, hearts go out to all those affected. Like, it's always sad to see people lose their jobs in these kinds of situations. Um, although sometimes they are necessary. Uh, hopefully they all land on their feet and find another similar gig as soon as possible. Um, but I think... Sometimes when you do see these layoffs, to, Sha- to Sean's point, right, it's because the company needs to, like, free up revenue in in effort for, like, ramping up something or taking on a bigger project or something like that. So uh, hopefully this isn't a signifier of, like, trouble for the company and that it's more just an issue of, like, they grew too fast and they hired too many people too quickly, which is not good. Um, and you, you definitely don't want to see that, but it does happen. Uh, and hopefully it's not you know, the sign of, of worse things to come. You,
1: you never want to see people get laid off in general. Um, hopefully this isn't indicative of these companies collapsing or something. Because generally speaking, what takes up the most net share of money for a company is payroll. For good reason. And it's un um, to me. It's unfortunate that uh so many people lost their jobs and what, uh, what is effectively a dream industry for a lot of people. So, I mean, I don't think it's good news. However, you slice it, no, definitely not.
3: Yeah, I think it's just hopefully not the sign of worse news. Yeah, like hopefully this is the worst of it. Is these twelve people having to you know move on?
0: Well. There is a, a silver lining, not to the layoffs, but uh, for Lion Forge. Uh, Ryan O'Sullivan was recently announced as the writer of Astonisher for Lion Forge. Uh, so, as I mentioned earlier, Gil Simone is kind of the architect of the new Lion Forge uh, universe, Catalyst Prime. And Ryan O'Sullivan is jumping on there. Um, he's replacing Christopher Priest. Huh. Which is pretty cool. So Yeah, go
3: Ryan, man. Congratulations, buddy.
1: Uh, he's my greatest adversary. <laughs>
3: Which is why he's my greatest friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad for Ryan. This will get him off my back, maybe. We'll see.
0: <laughs> so, um a little bit more industry news. Uh a Chinese investment firm uh has taken some stake in Dark Horse. Um, so, Vanguard Visionary Associates, which is a Chinese media production company, um, has purchased uh, quite a bit of stake in Dark Horse. Um, it's about $20 million. So they're going to have uh, a lot of say-so over there.
2: The most money Dark Horse has ever had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Stanley Chung uh is the the the, the spearhead man over at uh, Vanguard. And he's actually a former Disney executive, which is uh kind of cool. Um he was the chairman of the Walt Disney Company in Greater China. Huh. Wow. Yeah. That's high um, up in the company. <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh in a in a statement from uh the Dark Horse CEO or yeah, Dark Horse CEO and founder Mark Richardson. Um, he talked a little bit about what this is, um, and he said this is going to this. He said this will allow us to accelerate our growth and extend our reach worldwide. It will also present new opportunities for our employees as well as the talented content creators we work with.
2: Something like this also happened with Valiant last summer. Yes, we talked about that very similarly. Yeah. Um, and I think, in in conjunction with the Lionforge Forge news and um, what I know of some stuff going on at Titan, um, long time listeners will know I, I have a connection there, and um, that probably all is needs to be said about that. But there is a uh, a sort of uh, Lion Forge esque. Um, Situation happening there as well, where a lot of people are uh, being laid off and um, comics people are 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 losing their jobs, and it seems like stuff might not be going so well. Um, so this kind of spurred up a uh, a question for me: Is are these like investment firm? Uh acquisitions. Is that the future of comics? Like, huh? Uh
3: I, I think that's an interesting question, and I I don't think it's gonna be a one-to-one thing. Cause I think part of the reason that some of these I don't wanna say smaller publishers, but more like middle of the road publishers are struggling, I think, is because the market's getting more competitive. We're seeing a lot more pop-up imprints or like some very small publishers that I think are taking more of the market share, you know, that like, maybe like, maybe there is just less business for doctor who comics or whatever, because there are so many more, like you have like your black masks and like, you know, publisher initiatives, like, you know, young animal and stuff like that, that are, you know, becoming more like giving people a broader range of, american comics to read that aren't superhero books from marvel and dc and maybe there is just less demand for some of those kinds of books but i also think when it comes to the whole investment firm thing we've seen this a lot in the world of video games as well where there is a real problem with growing and then not growing enough you know like because if you're a small small nimble publisher you can maybe get away with only putting out a few books that are really successful and having a small number of employees and making profit because your overhead isn't very big. But then when you do hit a certain level, you need to keep growing or your growth becomes a liability because you have a lot of moving parts, a lot of employees mouths to feed a lot of projects and or what have you. And I think that realistically, like, the most value from a comics publisher doesn't come from comics. It comes from IP. And if you're a company where your business is making, you know, or where a a significant portion of your business comes from adapted comics, I think you're in trouble. Because I, I don't necessarily think that those as a thing are like dead weight or something like that. Like I think there'll always be a market for a certain amount of books like that but i think that the real value in your company comes from the original things that you own
0: yeah i think i think that's a good point i think that's um there, there's probably a lot of a lot of truth to that um as for how this affects business it's so hard to say we don't know um the, the results of Valiant's acquisition haven't been seen yet, but what we can say is that Valiant seems to be doing very well for themselves. They've got um, films coming out, their comics are doing well. Um, we don't know if that's a result of the acquisition or, or whatever, but um, that's good news. So, $20 million investment into Dark Horse sounds great to me. As long as the creative people over there can continue to do creative things... I don't see a problem. Um, it's ahead. a
1: lot. It's a lot of creative capital to be able to invest in your kind of properties because a lot of a lot of smaller companies or publishers don't have that kind of investment to be able to do what Valiant's doing. So I mean, at the very least, it does present an opportunity, but it's a matter of how that actually manifests itself. Yeah,
3: like where where are those resources put and. Bingo. Is there strings attached,
1: yeah, exactly,
3: you know, because like I think um just to bring it back real quick and then i'm I'm done on this one uh the the example of the video game stuff, like a really good example is like riot games and League of legends, right? like they were they're were bought in their entirety by uh, a a really big Chinese company that's called Tencent Entertainment, who owns a stake in many, many video game companies in the west, but Tencent's business model with those companies is that if they're big enough that they're already succeeding on their own, they just leave them alone. You know, like there hasn't been a major like change in the product at all. And it seems like Riot is acting independently, but they have this mega corporation behind them just fueling them money and allowing them to push their live events bigger, allowing them to like do hire more people and try new things and build new teams, which that's perfect. If you can get a company behind you that it's just like, hey, we want to just facilitate you to make more money and we get a cut, that's a match made in heaven. Absolutely.
5: Just before we leave this, for those of you who want more info on uh, what it is that Lineforge is doing, go back to episode 91, where we sort of talk about Gil Simone and how she's architecting uh, the architect for this larger superhero line. So.
0: Wow, Marco. Episode 91? Yeah, right. I went back. Nice, I like that. Real quick, just want to say congratulations to Brian K. Vaughn, who has signed a three-year deal with Legendary Entertainment. Uh, this, yes. this deal signifies uh, his creator own works coming to the big screen. Um, and uh, Nick Pepper, who is the president of their you know, film and television division, um, had this to say. Through truly inspiring storytelling, Brian has created immersive, compelling worlds that are devoured by fans worldwide. We couldn't be more thrilled to work with Brian to bring his visions and extraordinary library of work to screen. Uh, so, very cool news. Obviously, Brian K. Vaughn has done a lot of work that has touched a lot of people, including... Uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of, out of turn here to say everybody on this podcast... Um, You're talking about Saga, you're talking about Ex Machina, you're talking about Paper Girls, even Lost. A lot of people don't necessarily know him for his television Mm -hmm. stuff, but he's worked a lot in TV, so um, very few people in comics uh, have had as wide a reach as he has, and very few people... Uh, are more deserving of this than he is. So hats off. Yeah.
3: So few people are as consistent as him too. You know, like he doesn't put out the same volume of work as a lot of other creators on his level. But like, you're hard pressed to find a Brian K. Vaughn book that isn't at least good.
5: Yeah. You yeah.
3: Know? That's true. Um, and I I appreciate that about him as a creator. I feel like he's very selective about his about what he creates, and he gives it like a hundred percent. So. This is awesome. I Anything that gives me more Brian K. Vaughn in the world is something that I want to see.
5: And speaking of Brian K. Vaughn, go check out our book club. Pride of Baghdad*.
3: Look at you. And Very Snot good. Girl. No, wait. That's no, totally like wrong. That's I don't no know f- why I said that. Incorrect. <laughs> <I don't laughs> Maybe check, I mean,
0: check that out too. But Also check that out, yeah. Uh, he didn't write it. Yeah,
3: check it out. It was a good episode. I liked it. I did it. <laughs> and you know what?
1: You know what, guys? That was also written by a guy named Brian, so...
3: (laughs) Check check
1: out All-Star Superman.
3: Do it. Why not? Batman Gothic was good, too. That was fun. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, Plastic Man is going to be coming to the big screen uh, because a Plastic Man movie is being worked on by Warner Brothers Um
2: all right, Sean, lay it on us. What racist bullshit does he have in his
4: background? <laughs> <laughs> Plastic
3: Man's dad is actually Hitler. So it's awkward.
0: Wow.
4: wow.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, no, there, I mean, there's no, no downside to this that I know of. Um, Amanda, I don't go. Is going to be writing the script for this one. And uh, apparently, it's going to be a comedic action adventure film. I'm ready. which yeah, sounds awesome. Right about where Plastic Man belongs. Do
3: we have um, any idea what other stuff she's written? Is this like. Yeah,
0: um, she's done She's done little stuff. Uh, she was a staff writer on a show called The Mayor, which was an action or er, action ABC comedy. Um, and her first full features feature film is uh is actually in production now. It's called Breaking News in Yuba County. So, huh. oh,
3: so okay. she's wow. she's kind of an up and comer. What a yeah. what a cool man. man. What,
1: what a gig to land.
0: Yeah, I know, right? So very cool.
3: I mean, hey man, like it's worked out before, right? We've had plenty of like young blood come in on something like this and and prove themselves. So, uh, yeah, I, this is cool. Like I. Plastic Man is a character that I'm surprised that DC doesn't leverage more. Because like, I feel like he... He's got a run right now.
2: Gail Simone. Mm-hmm. Right, just, right. Just ended. it.
3: I don't even... I don't mean, like, necessarily... I, I mean, like, outside comics even, you know? Like, like I more optics like like, on him? Yeah, just because, like, I feel like he's a character that, like, could totally have the same kind of, like... I feel like he's applicable in similar ways to a character like Deadpool but like what not like edgy you know yeah. cuz like he's got like the zany humor like
2: but actually funny yes but yeah.
3: actually <laughs> funny right right like that i i i i think that comparison is like it it ends at like the way that deadpool is utilized in like popular culture you know like not that they're really like they have way different tones but i feel like the zany wacky like kind of like gaggy superhero You know, like, there's like, I feel like there's a a lot of appeal for something like that. So so
1: do you know who's a big fan of Plastic Man? Uh, Tom Kenny, uh, voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Jesus Christ,
3: I would fucking love that.
1: They made a pilot for a cartoon on Cartoon Network, which you can find on YouTube, actually. It's very good. Uh, And he does the voice of Plastic Man. And I'm pretty sure he did the voice of Plastic Man on Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh oh, he is a really? huge fan of the character and he's been a big proponent of trying to use Plastic Man in children's entertainment because let's be real here let's be, yeah, let's be real here Eel O'Brien is perfect for that.
2: Uh I don't know. I don't think Eel O'Brien is but Plastic Man definitely is. That's the same um, guy. Uh Ben Schwartz has also uh, been tossing his name around to uh, play Plastic Man. Oh, in, my uh, God. Yeah. I would I... love a
3: Ben Schwartz fronted Plastic Man movie. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me?
2: That would fucking rule.
1: That would be the best. And I absolutely love the idea of a Plastic Man movie. The reality is there are endless possibilities of what you can do with the character. I think of what uh, Plastic Man was doing in, uh in uh Mark Waid's Justice League run, it was so good.
5: If Marvel won't give me a Fantastic Four, will I'll take a knockoff uh Mister Fantastic. It's cool.
1: Plastic Man came out oh, twenty-one oh, yeah. years before yeah. Mister Fantastic, my dude. Dude, Plastic I just Man, Plastic Man came out before
0: Batman. There are don't... so many things wrong with that statement that, like, I got angry. Dude, I was gonna say, like, I just
3: saw all three of you had, s- like, you all had different reactions, but it was all just a collective, like, rage flare-up. Just like, what did
1: this son of a
3: bitch just say uh, about uh, Plastic Man? Also, also,
1: <laughs> Batman is older than Plastic Man, okay? Let's, let's get our facts straight. 1939 like. versus
2: 1941. Okay, alright, my mistake. Yeah, but six—the six-month difference there is. That's yeah. two years.
4: Anyway. In, Kale's
2: bad at math. Is comics? what he's trying to tell you.
1: Listen. Yes, time listen, moves the same way there. in comics,
4: Kale. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but
1: let's, but let's let's set aside the appetizer and get back to the main course. Marco, you little rabble rouser. You're a monster. <laughs> yeah, just, just poking.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, no more poking. Uh, because serious business is coming up Since we are about to get into our reviews for the week
1: We yeah, got a lot of them, folks
0: So we're going to start our reviews with uh, Martian the Manhunter The DC Rock Block Yes, the DC Rock Block um, Really cool that we're reviewing all DC books here Marvel, step your game up Agreed um, But we're going to start with Martian Manhunter number one. Uh, oh hell yeah Martian sex Whoa <laughs> <laughs> hello there uh so this one of this many is, highlights in this issue this is the start of a 12 issue run uh, which is pretty cool in and of itself 12 issues is is a good amount you know gives you room to breathe uh and it's by steve orlando and riley rosmo uh so uh i'm actually really interested to hear what marco has to say here why don't you start it off
5: um i want to start with pervert you. i want to start with just um rosmo like he's crushing um sean i know we have we've had mixed feelings with him but i think he's he's so tight here um it's it's not something that i've seen in his work before and i think he's really grown um so it's awesome to see that the way he's um like has those like the the dotted inks and stuff like i love the aesthetic um my paneling dude yeah the paneling too is sick like yeah Uh, my one of my issues actually was the lettering um it felt yeah like right like it felt kind of weird against his art style like it wasn't i don't know like it was layered on it it didn't match yeah uh and but otherwise i thought it was i thought it was cool like i don't know um his background necessarily or like his origin so it was cool to sort of get that in this and and how it um it wasn't super heavy in it um but it did sort of just give you context for john' as, john as a character um i i like this like, this is this is up my alley it's weird it's off you know it's off the wall shit and um i'm i'm i'm, I'm interested
0: yeah uh sticking on the art i i think um, Rosmo, he he did a great job of bringing that like when you read the book you understand that why he was the the art the artist that was chosen Mm -hmm. because it's supposed to be so like weird and off and riley roswell's art is weird and off and dynamic so yeah um i think it it it, uh it fits absolutely like a glove uh here he did such a tremendous job i also think that the coloring was so so good placentia yeah Oh, uh, he's and he's a, he's amazing. He did that whole uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo run. He's yep. he's a god, um, and he did a, he did a standout job here as well. I thought.
3: I, I don't think I've ever seen a book with his work before, and like, <clears throat> obviously, like the line work is incredible, but like, the colors really made it pop. It gives it like it's it has a very like vibrant feel to it, and like uh, between the paneling and the colors, like I feel like it really did give it like a noir kind of vibe. You know, even though like obviously it's got like heavy sci-fi elements and everything. Um but I felt like the whole like oh yeah, he's a detective. Like I got that sense just from the feel of the book. You know, like the 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 aesthetic that they're able to lay down and that's really cool. What
1: what 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 can you say about this first issue? Um we talked about this fantastic when, when this book was being previewed. How a lot of people don't really have an interest in the Martian Manhunter, uh, so much so that he was pushed out of the original seven when the new 52 launched. Um, there's a little bit of a trope, I think, with silver raid superheroes that a lot of the characters outgrew over time, uh, and that you know, uh, their defining characteristics in the 50s were that they were kind of stoic. Uh, And they, you know, righted wrongs They were paragons of, like, justice And everything, and I think every other 1950 superhero kind of Outgrew that, except for the Martian Manhunter Who always was kind of like, you know The JLI's mom, or whatever He was always the straight man to the foil, and it worked It was good, but For a character in his own book, it doesn't necessarily Make the most interesting paradigm And here We have this number one, where not only Is the writing really interesting, like I was immediately hooked by Orlando's Kind of dialogue and, and, and Pacing but the art Is out of this world I'm still looking At this Martian sex page and it's Insane <laughs> it's absolutely Insane You nasty you nasty I love the colors I like the Character shapes and designs they're all Really interesting like just Martian Manhunter's child it Looks mm-hmm. like dupe mm-hmm. From X Exfa- uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Yes yeah. Yes, I couldn't yeah. place it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're and,
1: totally right. And it's just it's so unusual. I love it. And and there's another part where they're eating the family dinner and he transitions from being, you know, hard street cop John or uh, Martian Manhunter or whatever, whatever his Martian name is, to being, you know, the stay the the, the, the dad at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. The way they transition like his clothing cuz he's a shapeshifter. It's really inspired. I I look at this one issue and i genuinely believe that this has the potential to be something of vision like quality not necessarily i'm not trying to make a direct comparison because i think they're going to be very totally different books but i think people might i think there's a distinct possibility that people walk away from these 12 issues of martian manhunter being like this is a modern classic yeah, dude i i got the exact same impression
5: like being a sort of definitive run
1: yeah yeah Obviously it's really soon. It's one twelfth of a run. But that that's my kind of first thought as like I I see the potential.
0: I hope so. Other than art, I don't think I was as high as you guys are on this one. But I'm definitely uh definitely in for the ride because I'm ready for Martian Manhunter. I like yeah. him, so.
3: It just really drew me in, man. Like I went in with really like no expectations, you know, because I don't have any relationship to Martian Manhunter and like not familiar with the creative team's work, you know, besides this. And um and like in a week that included what I thought was a great issue of Doomsday Clock. This was the book that I walked away like being the most high on. Wow. You know? And like for a first Ooh. issue, like that's impressive. Yeah. You know, like it I I was really into it. And uh, I was disappointed
1: when it was over. Wow. All right. That, that's that's really high praise too.
0: Let's let's move on. Let's talk about Green Lantern number 2. All right. Uh, so this one, uh, interesting reactions last time when we talked about uh, the first one. This is uh, Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. Phil, why do not you talk about it?
1: <laughs> uh, this one, this one's a little more grounded, you know? Uh, it sounds a lot of weird stuff. You still have the slavers of Dor, the F-sharp bell core, the obsidian depths,
2: <laughs> the controller. Just a bunch of <laughs> a lot of words that wouldn't make sense to it. End- I think when... Morrison writes, he just does, like, a Mad Libs game?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he he takes, well, I mean, all this stuff
1: exists. That's the thing. He's taking stuff from uh, Silver Age Green Lantern books. Uh, or the bizarre domain of uh, uh, Rot, La- uh, Rot Fat Lan. <laughs> who, uh, who is a Green Lantern of a different uh, light spectrum. Uh, but this one's more procedural. It, it, he's introduced to a new uh, sidekick named uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, Trilla Two, Trilla True, uh, and they capture a rich, a rich spoiled brat spider pirate, <laughs> and they do a good cop bad cop procedural on her. And I like how uh how Jordan is really knowledgeable on their culture. And is, knows that like in their culture you feed them food, and like they're more uh, agreeable in in addition to that there's like the the weird biological aspect where she's complete repul- completely repulsed by humanoids <laughs> to the point where it makes her want to throw up it's like a a special reaction um this issue was is really cool I don't know I really like the uh the reintroduction of uh evil star uh who's another classic silver rage villain. There was the uh, scene where he explains where he got his name, and it's this kind of incongruent, I mean, like, "Well, evil's the opposite of green, no, it's not, and stars bright <laughs> shine brighter than lanterns." And I was like, "Okay, I guess that part's true." Um, and I I noticed that Grant's uh, fascination with cosmic vampires reared its head again, uh, which was a theme in Final Crisis. Uh don't know what, I don't know why it grants so high on uh on on uh, Evil Vampires ba-
2: Batman Batman's uh time travel bullshit too isn't it the return <laughs> of Bruce Wayne That's right. I think I think they were in there too.
1: Um all in all I this I it, it, this one felt the way I kind of likened it is in Jeff Johns Green Lantern. He feels like Tom Cruise from Top Gun. You know, he's a, he's a, which is a, a completely valid interpretation of Hal Jordan. He's a, you know, <clears throat> act first, think later kind of, you know, fly, a fly boy that just, you know, flies by the seat of his pants kind of thing here. It feels more like Deckard from Blade Runner and that reflects in the tone because, and in the art, because Liam Sharp crushes it here. New Oa is so detailed.
2: That was sick. Yeah. Oh my! Yeah, that spread is God. the coolest thing I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's it's another great issue.
2: I don't know if uh, Deckard is the right comparison there. I think uh, I think you need to go more. I don't know, Lethal Weapon, maybe?
1: Huh? Hobbs, um, I think his, na- his name is.
2: Yeah, whatever Mel Gibson's character I, I Riggs. Hob- Riggs. But you know, you're absolutely right in the in the police procedural comparison because this yeah this for me this issue was a lot more palatable than the, the first one um i liked it a lot more um it's more grounded it felt, it felt more focused it felt uh yeah more grounded exactly as much as it can be uh the dialogue was on point the you know the the events and the pacing were spot on i love the volcano head guy i, I was
0: so to bring so him so funny
3: His, like, his, um, the affectation of his speech, like, I was cracking
1: up at that. So, my big takeaway from Martian Manhunter was Martian sex. My big takeaway from Green Lantern was (laughs) Volcano (laughs) Head.
5: I, um, at least for the first, maybe, like, uh, eight pages, I think it was sort of, Grant being Grant and kind of being like a little out there. And then once it got more into the the new OS stuff, it, it, it got grounded. So for me coming in, I was a little it was pulling me out of the story because it was being like sort of he was throwing shit out like left field. I didn't know who was it Darkstar?
1: Uh Evil,
5: Evil Star. Star. Evil Star. Um, and I was just trying to fit the pieces together, but they were all really kind of like loose until you get to the moment where it's a flashback and then it's like, okay, fine, that contextualizes it a little bit more. Um, and I I think for me the biggest thing was the paneling. Going back to the page oh. that uh that Phil mentioned with Nuo, the, the page right across from that is like insane. The way that they they walk in between sectors and in between the panels and then to what Sean had mentioned with uh or I think you no know, what Phil mentioned with the uh the vampirism, there's that the three panels that are split up between the character itself uh and like her um shoulder dressings and stuff it's it's
1: it's
0: sick yes
1: i don't know what else to say uh i I guess i wanted to compliment the the character designs of um of uh what are they the the black stars at the end of the book who who looked like they're out of adam strange comics from the 50s with their disgusting hexagon eyes they probably are yeah. I thought I thought
2: those were accordions.
1: Maybe. I no I'm blanking. Dorians. But either way, they're cool shit looking. They look like they should be in a Duck Dodgers cartoon.
0: Yeah. I, I thought this issue was brilliant. I had a smile on my face the entire time, especially like the early wacky parts um you either like that or you don't from grant i do love it um i love i love when he rattles off weird ass names and he, like <laughs> characters are just just crazy like a volcano head character in in any other book by any other writer i'm like what is this shit but when grant does it i'm into it and i love it and <laughs> he's just he can just do that he's a god um I love this interpretation of Green Lantern. I love how there's nothing on this page, nothing on any of these pages that's not a reference or an actual thing from another Green Lantern book in the past. Like when you pay attention and when you follow the character, or if you don't know and you go look it up and you find those things out, it adds so much more. That's why I feel like Grant books have a life beyond the page. That's what I love so much about his Batman run, and he's doing it again, so how could I not be happy?
1: We talked. I, I talked about how I feel like Martian Manhunter has a, the potential to be kind of a quintessential run of that character. This feels like Grant's Action Comics run, which was eighteen issues long. It feels like I, I need Grant to be able to make a statement on every major character. Basically, and this yeah. is that for Green Lantern.
0: Sure, uh, Pete. What, what was your overall takeaway?
3: Um, so, again, very very high on on Sharp's art. I think. Um Similar to what you were just saying, Phil, like, I I think this run is going to be remembered as an all-time great because Grant Morrison wrote it, so that gives it a bump uh, for anybody that's, you know, that he works for. Um, But I also think that Sharp's art is just, like, some of the best work I've ever seen. You know, like, not, I think, particularly in the modern era, but, like, in general. I think there are some incredible pages across these two issues, and I as much as this story is really just not grabbing me um i really like the art and i i'm going to keep showing up for at least a few more issues like to see if morrison can get his hooks in me cuz like he is so so hit or miss for me like you said like you either like his style or you don't and i like when he does more grounded stuff you know like uh, the the beats of this issue that worked for me were the things that didn't feel so wacky you know like the 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 part where it really just feels like they're cops you know uh interrogating someone that scene worked for me the humor of the volcano guy like that worked for me you know like those moments where i feel like he's not so concerned about like just some of the like the really wild out there stuff or like you said like throwing the names at us and all that stuff like that stuff often just kind of just takes me out of it you know because like i get thrown out of the rhythm of the story and that was a consistent issue for me in this issue like i think it was not as bad as issue one which i felt like really lost during and like had to reread the first couple of pages to like get my bearings like that only happened to me like once in this issue so maybe it's because i'm getting more settled into the rhythm of it or whatever maybe it is just because There were more moments or more beats in this issue that felt like, um, I guess just smaller. And I, I'm interested and hopeful that I'll continue to feel more positive as the series progresses. Um, because, excuse me, because right now, narratively, it's really just not working for me.
1: Two things. One, the earth got stolen at the end of the issue. And the next one is where he confronts God. I'm here for that shit. And t- and two most importantly, can we just talk about how buff and burly the volcano man is? <laughs> My dude is jacked he out loves. of his goddamn
0: mind. Green Lantern's been a lot of fun. We'll uh, you know we'll keep following that one. Uh, let's talk about Shazam. Shazam was fun and Shazam was very uh, very interesting. So that's that's Jeff Johns uh, making his return to the character. Uh, and on this one, he's joined by, was it Dave Eaglesham, right? Dale. Dale, Dale, sorry. Yep. Kale, you want to talk about this? You want to set it off?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I, I really enjoyed this. I think, um, it feels to me like they're going to try just based on the events of, of this issue and sort of where it ends. They're going to try and maybe set up the Shazam world, um. Similar to Thor and the the Nine Realms, um, which I think is a really interesting take on on uh, on on Shazam. I think um, it's something that has been done before, and and um, you know could be really really interesting. Uh, Shazam doesn't have a lot of a lot of like deep history outside of like the uh, the main events of his like origin and his um you know uh his various rogues gallery the old
1: faucet days
2: yeah but but even that i don't think is necessarily a really deep well for you know material
3: yeah i think like what you were saying about like mythos right because like a lot of the faucet books there's a lot of like there's a lot that was established there, but there are a lot of issues or, like, arcs that are just, like, oh, like, Shazam, like, saves a puppy or whatever. Or, like, you know, he goes to the circus and zany shit happens. Like, there's a lot more, like, slice-of-life goofiness in some of
2: those books. I, I am really interested to see where this uh, this series progresses. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the New 52 um rendition of the character. Um so I think I think once John's uh and Eagle Shim get past the uh the uh, uh uh the exposition here, I think uh I think we'll get to see some really, really cool stuff.
1: I, I really like the uh, Gary Frank and John's uh new fifty two Shazam. I'm surprised you were so, so lukewarm
2: on it. I like it I, I don't like billy as a hooligan i oh. think that sort of betrays the um what the wizard saw mm. you know yeah i think for me for me the 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 original interpretation where you know uh, billy was seen by the wizard and chosen specifically because of his you know his heart and his and his good nature um and not that's not to say that that's not what's going on but you know the fact that his outside reflected that as well as his inside as, you know, as a, as a child.
1: All right. Right. I, 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 well, I think we're going to do a book club on that for the movie. So I'll put a pin in that, but, uh, I really like this issue a lot. I think John's on captain Marvel's and damn no brainer. Um, in the way that Martian sex was the standout for Martian Manhunter. And in a way, that volcano head was the standout for me in Green Lantern. For me, the standout here is that the Museum of the American Revolution did not exactly look like what it looks like in Philadelphia. Thank you very much. I was going to say, yeah, the, the standout
3: is that it takes place in Philadelphia. Like, when they're like, oh, it's Philly's hottest new superhero team. I was like, all right, let's fucking go.
1: I was super into that, actually. (laughs) How how long until we get the gritty cameo? That's the real question. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, I also, (laughs) I like when they're squabbling over who the leader of the team is to the police. They're like, what's the say Superman (laughs) busted it? That was so funny.
2: (laughs) Dude, I I love the... Captain the Marvel family oh they were so
1: fun in this issue
2: well and yeah this especially because it's influencing you know the whole thing but like Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Jr. and uh, Tawny the Tiger and then old uncle Captain Marvel and the nameless Shazam characters that have been around you know over the decades like this is the stuff i love about dc comics specifically is the the legacy and the 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 family dynamic of you know six captain marvels like that's crazy
1: (laughs) yeah it is it's great um this 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 book had a lot of um, this book had kind of a spider man homecoming feel to it i think uh it, it was i wouldn't know (laughs) that's (laughs) <laughs> that's <laughs> That's true. Uh It it feels really it feels really bouncy. It feels like this is an issue I would totally give to like a, a kid to read.
5: This this was actually uh I think out of the four my favorite issue and like surprisingly enough for me, like this shit was cool and, and I was really into uh like I have no context for Shazam at all, right? Like I the only thing I think I've read him in is uh, I think Darwin Cook had, like, an issue or something. Oh, no, um, Buck, what's no, his name? Yeah, Shayner And then... And, uh,
2: Cameron Stewart.
5: Mm-hmm. Like, I, so this was a really cool introduction. Uh, and I've always heard of sort of the, the Marvel family, but I, again, have no context. So this was my first introduction to just everything. And I liked how they sort of started out where they're already friends, and they sort of get through the the... I would assume the development of them having different um uh, personalities and there being friction. I like that they're already friends and this is very much feels like f- would be friends superheroes just kicking ass and having a good time doing it and the way that they explore magic in this as well really intrigued me. Um so I'm uh, I'm 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 really excited for this book.
0: This was not quite what I expected. I thought we would spend more time with uh, Shazam alone, and I didn't. I didn't think that the Marvel family would would play such a big role. Um, but I'm actually glad they did. Once I got past that, I was I was strapped in. Um, this book had a lot of really great moments. Uh, I thought one of the one of the fun ones was when they asked him. They asked uh, uh, Shazam, "Who are you?" He said, Oh, I'm having trouble saying my name lately, which is a shot at, you know, the the Captain Marvel thing that there's two of them, that you know, Marvel has their Captain Marvel. Um and, and all or those. Or like issues. when Captain
3: Marvel Jr. made the thing where he was like, I just want it to be something I can say. What about Captain Mar? And then someone just cuts him yeah. off. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love a good it.
0: Sense of humor. Um, I thought the this was another book where the color was extremely yeah, yeah, good. Vibrant. Um Mike. Adier did a did a phenomenal job here, uh, and I think you have to when you're working with Shazam, you have to have really great colors because his suit, like just the thunderbolt in the middle and how cool that looks, and like I love that the red really stands out. And I thought they all look great, um, and and you need that. So uh, that that was done phenomenally. The story also really good, simple stuff. You know, John's just. Just establishing a, a mood and tone for this book and I think he did a great job the uh the backstory the the story Mary I also thought was really good yeah I thought
3: that was really yeah. good I thought the art was on that was really sharp too that was a different team
0: that was uh that was uh male Yeah, the like art there
3: that uh that opening like scene of like Mary running away from home like I thought that was so good like that moment of her like thinking about going back and then having like her decision reaffirmed for her was like just really well executed.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh so, let's move on to the main event. Yep. Get to the main event. We got Doomsday Clock number 8. Uh now this is obviously a book that we here at the Comics Palace have been waiting for with bated breath. Uh, if we had to hold our breath any longer, we would have died because it's been a while since uh, issue seven. But uh, for me, this was more than worth the wait. This was the issue where Superman sort of takes center stage. And uh, Phil, I, I know you, you were really high on the Superman parts, uh, so I'm just going to let you do your thing.
1: Oh, man. What can you say about this issue? I, I feel like we walk away from so many of these issues saying, you know what? This might have been the best issue. I fr-
3: know, I know. I feel like it's everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and frankly, there, there's more of that here. It it really stands out. So, the 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 kind of global crisis takes center stage here of this kind of Superman uh, gene or whatever super the metahuman the Superman crisis. Theory. The super theory. Thank you. The Superman theory takes center stage here and there's obviously in a way that the original Watchmen had real Socio geopolitical kind of uh, conflicts here between you know uh, Russia, the United States, Syria, uh, and what Black Adam's got going on with uh, conduct. and Superman takes center stage finally to be like you know what? I am, I have a role on this planet, and I need to actively take a larger presence here and try to calm tensions because everything's at a boiling point. Not unlike what Watchmen was, paramounting with in nineteen eighty six, eighty seven. Um, I really like the way. I really like the like this is a Superman issue. Jeff Johns and Gary Frank get Superman. Everything from him going, uh, everything him going to Russia and trying to ease tensions in front of Putin. Him talking to Firestorm yeah. and being like, "Listen." You can't trans, uh, you know, uh Ronnie and the Professor Stein are saying we can't transmutate, you know, living organic matter and Superman's like, Well you did it once before, I think you could do it again and he's like, I don't think I can. Alright, I'll do it, but get out of here Superman's like, I'm not going anywhere, I believe in you. And it's just, it's it's not the superpowers, it's just it's just this guy who it's just this guy the person. who's it's the yeah. It's the person he is that's the real superpower. <laughs> It's rad as hell, um, and then when he goes to Kondak, because he, when he's originally looking for Firestorm, just the way he doesn't back down from Black Adam, he's just he's just like you know what I didn't have my workout today, dude. <laughs> I thought that was such
3: a powerful moment because I think it speaks to, like you said, like how Johns just gets Superman that like Superman isn't he's never the first person to start a fight, but he's not. He's not a coward, you know? It's, like, if somebody's gonna make a threat, it's, like, you, like he can cash it, you know? And he's, like, not afraid to throw that weight around in a way that's not, like, threatening. Of, like, he's not being, like, oh, like, I, you know, like, I'm looking for a fight, but I'm not gonna, like, let you just disrespect me either, you know? And he's not,
1: do- <laughs> he's not doing it with false bravado. He doesn't really puff his chest out. It's just more like, yeah. if you want to do this, I'm right here.
3: Yeah, right. And, and like, I-, I like that, because it's, like, it... I feel like it's like a very like I don't know it shows like a, a a strength to him that it's like he has nothing to prove.
1: And the dialogue just popped cuz I've always personally really liked the way Black Adam and Superman have interacted in comics in the past. They're not really direct antagonists to one another cuz obviously Black Adam is a Shazam villain or JSA villain depending on, you know, the source material. But they've always had a good kind of rapport because Black Adam is effectively uh anti-hero superman. And that makes for an interesting dynamic. And there's one instance where he says to Superman, "You're just a glorified firefighter fa- effectively." And I was like, "God damn." It just it just pops. This whole issue pops. And I to me, if you're going to do a Watchmen sequel that involves DC universe characters, Ideologically and philosophically speaking, based off what Watchmen was about, how doesn't Superman take center stage? And this has all been kind of a chess game, which is analogous analogous to what Jeff did either last issue or two issues ago, where you know there was a whole chessboard thing and with Doctor Manhattan and Ozymandias and and so forth. That this is the next logical step, and. The end where Superman isn't able to keep everything together because people are irrational and do dumb things. Where you have the Russian metahumans fighting Firestorm and Superman, effectively, which looks terrible on television because, you know, at the very end, everything is like trust lost in Superman or whatever, all these different newspaper headlines. The very end is when you find out it's not Firestorm and it's so awesome.
0: Yeah, this this issue uh shocked me and I just didn't I wasn't ready for this and I wasn't I wasn't prepared. The moment where you notice you feel like Firestorm is losing control the first time and then all of the the Russian citizens that are surrounding him are frozen. That was a that was a, a, a Civil War moment for me. That was yeah, that felt
1: like when Penance that, blew that up the that. neighborhood.
0: Yeah, that was the speedball. Speedball, right? you became um,
1: penance.
0: Yeah, uh, that was that, and that was a bombshell in two thousand and six. Um, but it happened in the first issue. It was the it was the the, the establishing moment. Right. Um, the inciting incident. is. Yeah, this is eight issues deep, and I thought this is just going to be another another issue, kind of you know getting deeper into the plot, and this was something else. You know, it's sort of curved where I didn't think it would. Um, I don't care about Firestorm. I don't have a relationship to that character. Now I do. Um, And he's been in the background of this series throughout the entire thing. He just took center stage, you know? And if you know anything about Firestorm, well, even if you don't, they make it very clear here he's a kid. You know, he looks like an adult, but he's a kid. And he got overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, is he at this time? Because I think he starts as a high school student, right?
5: I think he's a college student.
0: Okay. Cool. Either way, he's a kid, and he's in over his head, and things go way wrong. Um, but we learn that it's not him. He's not the He's not the, the, the problem, um, and there's something else going on. I remember when he turns everyone to glass. I'm thinking, like, Firestorm,
1: Firestorm can't do that to people. Like, he's never been able to transmutate living organisms before. I was like, that's really weird. And they make a point of it later where Ronnie's like, I don't know how to do that. And then then the final reveal? What does that
0: mean? I don't know, man. There were a few things uh, that caused me to ask that question. And then I realized that eight issues in, we don't know what's happening here. Okay,
1: so this is my thought. Throughout the issue you're constantly told there's a moment where Superman flies from Metropolis to Russia, to Moscow. And these people in neighboring building windows said Superman will solve this. And the the essence that he's the only metahuman that we can trust. And Putin even says like, this is the one superhero that transcends borders. We can rely on Superman because he's not American. He's, you know, he's the, he's the hero of the world. But, after everything that happens with Firestorm, all those newspapers, like I had mentioned previously, start saying things like, um, hold on, it says, trust shattered, or Superman takes a stand for the wrong side, metahuman mask out massacre. Like all these newspapers just lambasting Superman, which I think is kind of reflective of our culture where it's like very quick knee-jerk reactions to events that happen regardless of what the event is and i wonder if that's dr manhattan's point here
0: uh yeah i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna let someone else get a word in edgewise before i respond to that but i think you're on to something so i so uh,
5: i had understood it as even though he can't transmute people or organic matter it's like Something new that's developing with him and he's obviously getting played by Ozyman Dias, like in that first page um, where he's in the what I'm assuming that he's in the Oval Office and he has like a file. It's um, so, like he's behind right. that. But then I I know the, the last bit and like uh, is is Manhattan.
2: My thought there is. Manhattan's whole jam is working with glass. He had that whole glass palace in Watchmen. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. There's a lot of connection with uh, making glass out of sand and okay and all that. So uh, that all that all makes sense to me.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Damn, even, even that
3: final panel, like it, it, very much gives you the impression that, like, yeah, okay, it's Manhattan, and like the alternate cover is, is you know, the two of them being pit against each other, like, you know, I think I'm just questioning what Ozzy's connection is to it. Well, Th-
2: that's that's in in the panel where he says yes, he's got a machine gun and a helmet and the goggles and the suit. I'm wondering if he was this background guy. Um, who's about to fire at uh the firestorming little kid. Because, right, clearly uh, the guy in the foreground is uh, a, per- a person of color. The background guy is a, a white guy.
1: Wait wait, 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 no, 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 no. This, this is my question. Firestorm is Dr. Manhattan. Batman says as such, that's not Firestorm. What? My question is, why is he Firestorm... And what is his motive?
0: No, that's not what that's not what he's saying. Yeah, the energy. He's saying the energy, the energy oh, explosion. Yeah, yeah. He, he says yeah. it's
3: not firestorm. Not that's not firestorm. Oh shit! Like it's definitely okay. the actual firestorm. It's just that the explosion and the initial glassification were not him.
1: I understand that. Okay, I like
5: a, I, I like that Superman tries to make a stance and it sort of falls. It it, it all just falls apart. I I, I like the the quick pace sort of turn of events and the way that they, they're able to build up like that just momentum all the way through. And then everything just collapses. And that's such a fucking good, like good moment across.
3: Like it, it it escalates so quickly. Like it goes from him just like, he is giving a speech and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, like we're all fighting and there's bullets and the, you know, like, superman's flipping a tank it's tragic and it's just and it's, like, i love it you you just see the whole thing unravel so quickly and it feels like the panic is like very palpable you know that it's like all of a sudden it's chaos and like superman and firestorm both know that these people can be saved and they see them getting killed and they're like no stop stop you know and like it, it just gets it, it like you said it's just like a tragedy like it, it is just all comes down to like miscommunication and like it, it it's it
4: sucks
0: What I also, one of the best parts of the book, and what I was really intrigued by, is uh, Batman's involvement. Um, Batman is telling uh, Superman not to Mm -hmm. not to speak on the matter, not to take a side. And um, I was I was wondering if that was because Batman has knowledge that we don't have, or he was speaking in a general sense of like this is not the time for you to give a speech there's other stuff at play you need to just like chill out right now um i feel like it was either one and then the other
3: like i feel like his initial reaching out to him is like you can't pick a side like you need to remain neutral like whatever and then he is like putting the pieces together like as the situation's escalating uh he
0: seems he seems to be keenly aware that that firestorm is not the is not the individual responsible for what's happening. And there's nothing on the page to suggest that he is learning that in the moment. So I feel like he already knows. I think so too. Okay. Um, which I love because there is a there is a gap in our knowledge, right? Uh, issue 7 doesn't lead cleanly into this. So there's something that happened that we don't know.
3: You know what else is interesting actually that might that might feed into what you're saying there about Batman Sean is that he's on his way to Russia.
0: hmm Yes. When it
3: happens. Because he gets caught in the explosion. Right. So he was clearly going there to intervene for some reason. So yeah. like yeah, he, knows he must thing. he must have the knowledge.
0: Well, he keep in mind, Batman saw Doctor Manhattan. So he already knows that he exists. Um and I guess that might be the, the, the piece of, of information is that he knows, because he knows Dr. Manhattan exists, he believes that he's the one responsible for what's happening. That, that's where my mind goes. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was the beginning of the book shows um, Ozzie uh, with a file. Uh, I, I actually read that as he sent Lois Lane the documents about oh. the Justice Society. Oh yeah, no that
1: totally makes sense. That's what I was thinking too, actually. Uh I wonder how that's gonna that that's another kind of loose end they've been threading for five or six issues here.
3: Yeah, right, it's like what's like what is the like involvement of the JSA I guess.
1: this this is this is this is leading to the climax though, because the the book is called Doomsday Clock. And everything is being dialed up more in the same way the original Watchmen, like the clock gets closer to midnight. That's that's what's happening here. Right.
3: Yeah. Well, we only <laughs> have four issues left.
1: Yeah.
0: Regarding the JSA, real quick, um, I'm pretty sure the implication is that well, I don't think it's I don't think it's an implication anymore. I think it's a it's a fact. Doctor Manhattan erased them from history. Like he he altered history to get rid of them. Right, because, and that's the thing that and, led to the whole current world climate. Right. And then this is my this is my speculation is I believe that Doctor Manhattan just doesn't believe in, in in heroism. He doesn't believe in heroes. He believes that it will always become degenerate and um, get to the point where heroes ruin society because that's what he saw or what he interpreted. Happened in the Watchmen universe, so he's altering reality in DC to prevent that occurrence. And now he's weakening Superman's position as the world hero because if that happens, then there will be no more heroes. It's over after that.
5: With that whole the when Lois is reading about the the JSA, it was sort of parallels to the Minutemen and how like he himself being part of the Minutemen yes. didn't see it function in the way that it should have. And then what it to your point exactly like what it evolved to be. Is exactly why he went back, and like the JSA itself is uh, potentially sort of the inception of what in the future will be more superheroes. So, like, let's nix that.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so, any any closing thoughts before we wrap up this issue? Is a dynamic issue, best one yet, in my
3: opinion, dude. Unless unless Johns really biffs this landing, this is a fucking masterpiece, dude. This is a masterclass in in this medium. Like I have been blown away by every fucking issue for the most part, and like, yeah, this one stands among the best. You know, like I I think it was right up with any other one that you could you could give
1: that uh, award to. Uh, I feel bad saying this, but Johns is doing a better job with his sanctuary than Tom King <laughs> is with his.
0: I I think that this is a modern classic, and I'm excited. I, I mean, I'm not excited to be, like, old, but I'm excited for the time when, like, we're older and to see the way that people talk about this. Um, I haven't been on, like, the message boards and stuff, seeing the reactions to the I issues, was literally doing that. But,
1: um, some, <laughs> there you some, go. Some, some people hate it, but that that's anything. Well,
0: that, that goes without saying. People hated Watchmen. Um, I can't wait to see how we discuss this book in the future. Uh Kale, what are you? What are your final thoughts here?
2: Uh, yeah, it's good.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, what do you
2: cool. I like it? Uh, what do you want me to say? Uh, <laughs> I like. No, good. I like that. That's good. Um, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, I, I,
0: you know, that's <laughs> what I. That's what I you know what? Um, before we do cut out, I, 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 we'd be very wrong to not talk about Gary Frank here. Oh. Um, because this is one of the best looking issues he produced so far. The, the page, the, the two pages where Firestorm is kind of losing it at the beginning are so good. The way it kind of like closes in on him, that claustrophobic feeling. And then the final panel on the bottom where the big explosion happens. I lost my shit right there. That was so beautiful. He's super, his super. Um, his Superman there were some really so good. Yes. Okay. Gary
1: Frank that, Superman is my favorite Superman.
0: That's where I was going to go. Uh, there's a panel uh, where Superman is just looking to the left, and it's, like, dark all around him, and his face is the only thing that's kind of lit, and that panel was breathtaking the first read, and then every time I open this book, I land on that, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so nice. Um, and there's just so many, so many great panels here. The, um the 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 nine panel grid works tremendously well in this issue because of how tense it is and i think that's one of the things that this that this layout is really excellent at doing is uh establishing tension um and it's used so well uh it's just a just a great looking book all around and fantastic job I, like we've said it before i'll wait for this two months three months every time if it's going to yeah. look like that Exactly. Yeah, dude.
3: Uh, I, I I think like again, just like how good he is at capturing subtle emotion is like that's something that's really difficult to do. You know, there are good artists that don't draw faces super well, you know, um, or that don't draw them as dynamically as he does. And like, I think the last couple pages, like in in Moscow, with like every sh- cut to Superman, like the emotion in his face is like. Like, the, the one where, like, uh, the guy goes to shoot Firestorm, and he has the kid, and Superman's just, like, stop. And then the next panel is the gun being fired is, like, that – it just um, – it, it sets a, the tone for, like, the rest of the of the combat and the encounter. And then, like, at the end where it's the last time where where uh, Superman – he's, like, Firestorm, and he's, like, trying to get him to stop, and he's bathed in the fire – you know the light of that and everything and he just has this like exhausted like hopeless look on his face of just like you know he can tell that this is just gotten away from him this you know
1: kind of underscores what makes superman a dynamic and interesting character it's not so much that you are worried about his safety and and people kind of think about like oh he's too overpowered how can he be defeated it's not really about a one-on-one kind of dynamic it's this issue underscores you were never concerned about Superman's safety. It was more of Superman trying to keep everything glued together because everything unraveled so much.
3: Yeah, and knowing how much it hurts for him when he when he fails to do that, you know, because he sees that as his responsibility.
1: Right, that's the whole reason he's there.
3: Right, like I, I, honestly think like they, I feel like it does a really good job of presenting Superman as like almost like the uh, the world's like parental figure. You know, like, there's this squabble that's happening. He kind of comes down and tries to just be like, I want to smooth things out. And then, yeah, like, he could beat all those people in a fight. You know? He could, like, it's not a matter of there being a real threat to him. It's that, like, the situation has just gotten completely out of his hands. And, and, and made him, uh, like, as Sean likes to say, right, it, it, it stopped him from being an actor in that moment. You know, that, like, he's incapable of stopping the violence. And, like, that's the worst-case scenario for him.
0: Yeah. um, And I don't think this is intentional at all, but uh, while you guys were having that discussion, I was reminded of the Tom King portion of the, the Action Comics 1000 issue where Superman is the only living being anymore. And he uh is just thinking about his parents and uh, earth is already dead and this is only in my mind i don't think that there's any implication of this but i see that as the 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 negative end of doomsday
1: yeah shit that's cool
3: yeah i could see that
0: that's gonna do it for our reviews hopefully you guys enjoyed them what a week Uh, we enjoyed yeah we enjoyed these books very very much really fast High and low, really quick, don't talk about them. Just tell me, uh, high and low, your favorite book and your least favorite of the four that we read, Pete.
3: I'm going to go favorite
1: Martian Manhunter, least favorite Green Lantern. Phil. There is no least favorite. They're all great. My favorite was Doomsday Clock.
0: Okay. Marco? Uh,
5: Shazam, Top,
2: and Green Lantern Bottom. Kale? Uh, Martian Manhunter, Top, uh, probably, I guess, Shazam. Uh, bottom but that's a hard bottom
0: alright and I'm going to go with Doomsday Clock Top uh, Martian Manhunter bottom
5: and I'm going to go one more uh, Tyler Top Matt Bottom <sighs> oh definitely dude you know that's yeah.
1: true you're violating yeah, you our terms of services <laughs> <terms> <laughs> alright
0: so uh, there are plenty of ways that you guys can uh, reach out to us and let us know your thoughts on these books if you want to get to us um we are on soundcloud on apple podcasts uh the comics pals we are at the comics pals wherever your social media is sold you can write to us at the at gmail.com and if you are a youtube listener slash viewer thank you for that make sure to leave us a like drop us a comment share this video with your friends and subscribe to our channel All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Um, Be sure to hit up our book clubs. We've got Pride of Baghdad out right now. Uh, We've got Aquaman on the way and Klaus on the way, too, for December. So make sure that you guys check those out. Um, Let's do some plugs. Pete.
3: Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode of The Comics Pals. It's very good to be back. Uh, if you guys want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can talk to me about um, any of the books we read this week. I'd definitely like to talk about them. Um, some great news this week. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm eager to discuss any of this stuff at, at greater length. So please come connect with me. If you want to get some more content from me, you can uh, catch me and Sean on the Video Game Pals, which posts uh, the day after the Comics Pals on all of uh, our podcast platforms. And uh, we're going to have a, sh- sh- ooh, a really packed show this week on that show as well. Uh, between the Game Awards, the Kind of Funny game Showcase, uh, there's a ton of news. So it's going to be a good time. Come join us. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you. And then you can catch me on our Let's Play show, Pals Play with Thompson. And uh, you can also find my work over on LoopPots.com, where I'm a contributor and the host of their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast. Uh, so go tune in there. I've got some uh, some articles up this week around some of the big Nintendo announcements from the Game Awards. Uh, and there'll probably be a lot more uh, Smash Talk and stuff like that on the way so uh,
2: uh, come tune in cool. you can find my stuff on Comixology at Panels Publishing uh, also on selfie.com slash Panels Publishing um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W uh, please come tell me what uh, where to start with Shonen Jump I am pumped to get that app and get started I Hero Academia. Anywhere but there. God, fuck <laughs> what, you. Dragon Ball? Uh, uh, Alright. Marco? Uh,
5: you can find me at Mr. MrMarcoInamoto on Instagram and Twitter. I also recently read Mouse Guard, and that was dope. Uh, I'm going to get the rest of the series, and for anyone interested, I'm up to talk about it, because it was really cool stuff.
1: Phil? You can find me on the social media platforms at Cyborg Bebop. Hey, message me about Smash because that shit is cool. Also, I just, I've just i been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Super. I'd like to talk about that with people because no one else I know is watching Dragon Ball Super. Um, also, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. That shit looks like fire. Uh, Finally, I'd like to plug Volcano Head and Martian Sex. Popcorn, Sean.
3: If you plug him, he might explode. You beat me there, my dude. I love you, Marco. (laughs) (laughs) My dude slaps. And uh, (laughs) as
2: for me, (laughs) I am... (laughs) Inside jokes
0: are fun.
1: Fuck you, Marco slaps. That's the new woe is Marco. As for me,
0: I am at SeanSoulBox on Twitter and Instagram. Let's talk about Smash Brothers or Doomsday Clock exclusively. And with that, we're the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys.
3: See you next week.
0: The urge
1: to save humanity is always a false front for the urge to rule.